Welcome to the Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, a Warhammer 40,000 podcast based in Southern Ontario. My name's Ian, and my co-host Jason will be joining me shortly, just as soon as he's strapped on his neural gauntlet. This is episode 15, and tonight we will be focusing on my favorite way to play the game, Apocalypse. We start off with our usual hobby progress and games played, and it's uh, quite a bit, as it's been a while since we record. Then we move on into a big discussion on Apocalypse, as Jason has just finished his first APOC game. And uh, we close out the show with a fairly long segment on Beyond the Rim, focusing on Age of Sigmar, Overwatch, and Edge of the Empire, Star Wars role-playing game. Be sure to check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash wrongsideofthemaelstrom. We're also on iToysoldiers at itoysoldiers.com slash wrong-side-maelstrom. If you wish to contact us via email, we can be reached at wrongsideofthemaelstrom at gmail.com. And finally, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Also, Brimstone Games in Windsor has a miniatures night on Tuesday, so be sure to check that out. If you're local to Windsor, join the Greater Windsor Table Warriors over at itoysoldiers.com and come out to the regular club days to get some games in. Uh, Mine Jay's home store is the Games Workshop at Young and Lawrence, so check it out. Please enjoy tonight's episode, and we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom. You are now entering the wrong side of the maelstrom. All right, let's get started with some hobby progress. Hobby progress. Hang on. Before we do hobby progress, I want to talk a little about a little something that I picked up a few weeks ago. It's been a while Your since dignity? we actually recorded my dignity. No, I lost that a long time ago. <laughs> I haven't found it yet. Eh? No, it, it's long gone. I'm not even going to look for it anymore. Um, you know, I've given up when. Yeah, we, we all reached that point. However, okay, so little story. A few weeks ago, I was playing Overwatch because I'm like horribly addicted to it, as we'll talk about later in the show. And internet went down, which, as anybody knows, <laughs> like nowadays, you just like when the internet goes down, that's like the worst thing in the world. You just like my life comes to a complete standstill. Yeah. So I was like, well, fuck. Okay. It was like a Tuesday or something. Tuesday or Wednesday. I was like, okay, I'll stroll over to GW because I only live like five minutes away. Go over there, hang out, start painting. But the store is going to close at seven and, you know, still got a few hours to kill. But what the fuck am I going to do? So I decided I'm going to pick up a book because, you know, that archaic form of entertainment. Yeah, it's a great battery life on those things. Right, exactly. So um, I was looking around. I was, like, trying to figure out what books I wanted to read. They had, like, they sell, like, the little novellas now of the different, um, like, chapters, kind of. Oh, like battle books for Space I guess that's what it is. Yeah, I I think that's what they call them. Um, And they had a Black Templars one. And I was, obviously, I'm, like, love my Black Templars. So I was, like, oh, maybe I'll pick up that one. And then uh, there was also had like a larger Grey Knights one, mm-hmm. so I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll pick up the Grey Knights one. I really like that too. Then I saw Xenos, the first book of the Eisenhorn trilogy. Ah, uh, yes. And I knew you would approve because it had been a really long time since I'd read it. Like mm-hmm. I think I read it when, man, like maybe even before high school or just beginning of high school or something right, like that. Right. Um, so I like com- completely forgotten what happens in the book or anything like that. So I, uh, yeah, picked that up, started reading it. I don't get a lot of time to read now mm-hmm. that my internet's back. No, no, no. I read on the subway as I go to work like every morning. Yeah. Man, that's one fucking good book. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, you know how much I love Dan Abnett's Inquisitor stuff. Like, there's yeah. the two trilogies. Um, Xenos being the start of the first one. But that Eisenhorn trilogy is still one of my favorite series of books. Yeah, I know. I was telling down. you that, like, oh, I picked it up. I'm reading I'm really enjoying it. And you're like, oh, man, the second book is so good. And now I'm just so pumped to, like... Not to finish this first one, because I'm on such like an adventure with yeah, this book. Yeah. And that's what I love about it, is you actually feel like you're on this adventure. They yeah. nailed the cop... I don't want to say cop drama. They nailed it, like the detective... The investigation stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He just nails it, that whole series. Well, at least in the far, first book. But if you say yeah. the second book's even better. Uh, the second one's my favorite. The second one is about like demon hunting and stuff like that, or...? Well, it's... They're broadly developed into like... Alien hunting, demon hunting, heretic hunting. Yeah, I figured, like, yeah, because they're named off of them. Like, there's characters throughout all three of them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the second one's definitely my favorite. The third one also is amazing. Can't wait. And can't the wait. first one's just a classic. Cause I'm just he's, so hooked on all of it right yeah, now. Yeah, and then the Ravener series afterwards. I, I've i heard that it's better. Personally, I like the Eisenhorn because I feel it's more raw. It's more gritty. Yeah. Ravener is a little more refined. Mm-hmm. Definitely still worth reading. And then there's the third trilogy, which only the first book has come out. And I don't know if the other two are ever going to come out. Really? Eisenhorn versus Ravener. Whoa, cool. They're pitted against each other. Yeah. yeah. And that is, it's called Pariah. Mm-hmm. And that is the best book, in my opinion, that Dan Abnett has written. Really? Out of the ones I've read. Yeah. Wow. Sweet, It's man. just, it's, it's almost, it either is on the line or is literature. Awesome, man. Like, it's so good. I'm not the fastest reader, but I can't wait to like read all of this. Plus the fact that like I'm starting like an Inquisition army now. Yeah. That yeah. we'll get into later. But like yeah, man. This gives me like so much inspiration as I'm like building and painting everything. Oh yeah. No, Eisenhorn's phenomenal. Such a good series. Sweet man. Okay, so hobby progress. Yeah, right. Well, I was just talking about um like starting an Inquisition army. Yeah. We are doing a small like uh, escalation campaign yeah just like a handful of us not like a store wide not like a store wide thing, thing or anything like that yeah yeah um just a few of our buddies and everything like that kind of like as a way for us to start new armies not all of us are starting new armies but it's also a way because we're playing fully painted based all that stuff yeah so it's a way for us to finish the armies that we already have or to start new armies i love it i think it's a great idea mm-hmm. um so i picked up uh like i'm running inquisition with an execution force yeah and uh so i picked up the execution force uh game yeah not that i was like interested in playing the game although i have heard it's really really good mm. and i was reading through the rules it seems like it's pretty fun i'll have to actually get around to building all the the cultists and yeah and all that stuff but it's good value in that box oh really good value the fact that like i think you get a deal on the assassins and then on top of that you get like all the cultists and uh the chaos they get the full well, chaos lord kit which is a fucking amazing kit yeah for sure I, personally, I would argue the assassins are overpriced for what they are. They should be cheaper, but... Yeah, when you see how much plastic even, comes with that Kala's assassin, you're kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, but, I mean, okay, even if they were, like, 10 bucks cheaper and a pop, it's yeah. still a good deal with all the chaos stuff. Yeah, yeah Plus, yeah. the board tiles are great. Yeah, they're pretty like, cool. I don't think they're... They're not as good game. as the kill team ones, I think, but... Uh, no, like, not okay. as versatile as the kill team ones, but... Uh, but it's the same quality, The right? same quality like type board, yeah, exactly. Glossy cardboard and nice cards and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm interested in, in at least trying the game. It doesn't seem... The Kill Team has, like, multiple missions. This doesn't seem like it has multiple missions. It's the exact same right. game every single time, except there's, like, now try it this way. Try doing it with just one assassin. It's like, well, I thought this was supposed to be, like, a co-op game. Why am I playing yeah, yeah, it by yeah. myself, right? Um, I like For the game solo. that goes out, Jay. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> Maybe I'll just get another book. Um, so, yeah, I've been working on those. Um, built them all. 
uh, did change up the bases a little bit on them. I uh, just added like extra flock and stuff because extra they're rubble, kinda, yeah. yeah, extra rubble and stuff. I finished the Calidus. Uh, she's 100% done. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I've been working. I've kind of got the base colors on all the models, like what their suits are going to be. I'm going all different colors. Yeah. Um, so I've done that. But then I've after I did that, I've gone back and like started doing all the details on like each individual one. Yeah. And uh, so now I'm working on the Evasaur. Kind of worked on them pretty hard today because I knew we were going to be uh, being recorded. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of work done in the last like it's been like a month, five weeks since we recorded. Just got been so Six. busy with summer, man. <laughs> well, maybe we'll got you talk. We'll talk about at the end of the segment, like what's been going on in our lives and shit, yeah, 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 just yeah. quickly. Um, but yeah, getting that done. I actually um, because my starting force was starting at six hundred points in the escalation campaign. And uh, so my starting 600 is the execution force and an inquisitor. So I kind of like custom built a uh, an inquisitor out of like old Catechin body and like a bunch of random pieces. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man, when I first started building him, I was like, he's not looking so good. I'm not liking it so much. And when he when I had the final product done, I was like, he looks all right. And then I primed him. I'm like, all right. He, I can't wait to get some paint on him. He's looking pretty badass now. Yeah. And like the reaction, because he's holding like this big book, just like, mm-hmm. like, repent. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm getting a lot of good reactions from the uh, from the model. Yeah. Well, sometimes when you're doing a conversion, well, we'll talk more about conversions next episode, I yeah. think. So I'll save that for later. Mm-hmm. But they're looking really good. Can you uh, tell our listeners about, let's start with the, Sort of the Evasaur in terms of color scheme, what you're doing with him. Cool, yeah. So, like I said, I'm doing them all different colors. Um, the Evasaur, originally, I was going to do them like Wolverine color, like classic Wolverine, yellow and blue. Oh, nice. And then I was like, uh, I really don't feel like painting yellow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so hard. Uh-huh. Um, not not really, really hard, but a little frustrating. And I don't have a lot of yellow paints. I think I have like one yellow paint, Also, if, to the, if that. Also, to the quality that you paint, it would be a lot of work. Yeah, so um, I painted them red. I'm going like full red suit. Yeah. Uh, a little bit high, like a little bit more of a detailed highlight on his muscles and stuff because I really want him to seem like shredded. Yeah. Um, and then I'm going like, old school metal like an old metal not a shiny metal mm-hmm. but like an old metal on his helmet the gun the claw so it really feels like he has these like not antique but like when one evasaur assassin dies if they can mm-hmm. gather the remains even though he's supposed to explode afterwards but like he's, <laughs> he's being passed down like old archaic type armor yeah for like his helmet and stuff i didn't want originally i was going to go with like the skull helmet and i was like well you can still have a skull helmet but make it like a metal skull helmet yeah. that he's wearing right man in the iron mask kind of yeah, feel yeah. so that's how i'm going with him also for the like highlight muscles and is the definition of roid rage so yeah exactly sense. right yeah so he's just like ripped yeah and same thing man i'm like i was telling you before we started like the vindicare i just look at him and i'm like oh i don't know how you're gonna end up looking good but i realized i felt the exact same way about the evasor this morning when mm-hmm. i just had the base coat on him and then i started doing the highlights pulling out all the all, the, all the bumps and all the details i was like okay now you look fucking sick yeah yeah um but yeah and then i'm doing the calidus um like a dark green yeah and i really wanted to emphasize those eyes and i'm so glad that somebody i think i showed it to our buddy mike Mm-hmm. and uh he said exactly what i was going for he's like man those look like spider-man eyes and i was yeah. like yes like fist pump like yeah. and nailed it that's what exactly what i was going for yeah um and then i'm doing the uh the vindicare like a like a dark blue mm-hmm. almost like a like a cop blue like an undercover cop blue kind of the same way i did my breachers if anyone saw those photos on facebook yeah very dark navy blue yeah like a yeah. like a stealth blue yeah 
Um, but I'm still playing around with some of the colors on him because I've started putting some other colors on and they're not mixing so well with the dark blue. So he's going to be trial and error, I think. But then the Caluxus Assassin. Yeah, I think this is your boldest choice and it works really well. Yeah, I was really scared when I started him. So the other day I was like looking through movies, what I wanted to to watch. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, um, what's it called? Gods of Egypt, I think it's called. Oh yeah, you were telling me about this. And I saw like the cover for that movie is like this one of the Egyptian gods. I don't know which one it was. I wasn't paying attention to the movie. I ended up turning it off because it's a piece of shit. <laughs> Anyways. But uh, they're like, they go into like God mode kind of like flying mode and they turn into like pure gold beings. I was like, that is really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's all like one jumpsuit kind of like the assassins. And I was like, well, fuck man, you can only fire at ballistic skill one or weapon skill one against the Colossus assassin. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, no, oh, he can wear gold. He's like, yo, come out and bro, try and hit me. I'm, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't have to be stealthy. But yeah. then also he's like stealing psychic. Uh, he's stealing like warp charges and stuff. Yeah, so that yeah. like glowing, I imagine it getting like even brighter mm-hmm. as he's like stealing the warp charges and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I started working on that. I haven't really done any of the highlights. I've just, uh, I just did the gold and then washed them. And I think I brought it up a little bit. Yeah. But I haven't like finished them off. I haven't gone back and started doing all the fine details. Um, and then I, uh, I believe the last episode that we recorded, I said I was going to like build all my Skaven and prime all of them. I think so. It's, it's been a while. So long ago. Yeah. But, um, so I built almost all of my Skaven. I built everything and then I bought another 20 lag monks yeah. off of you yeah. just the other day. So I haven't built all of them, I guess. But up until, until this week, until this weekend, I built all of them and I had primed a few things, not all of them. And I started painting them but then i kind of got pulled away with like all these assassins i was like oh yeah. i want to work on that mm-hmm. um but yeah that's that's about it it was a lot of work like like a month ago and then it's kind of like slowed down a little bit and then like picked overwatch up dropped. as soon as overwatch <laughs> dropped yeah <laughs> and then like uh so it picked up a little like i'll start painting one assassin i'll go hard for like like a day just like finish mm-hmm. that assassin off a day or two and then it's okay take like another week off and then yeah. go hard on one more model right yeah, yeah i like painting individual models more anyways than like the horde of skaven that oh, i have to sure. paint over there yeah you kind of just have to grind through it yeah plus i also decided that i was gonna paint my skaven white like <laughs> such a dumb idea <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it'll be no problem i'll be able to do that easily yeah, yeah right um how about you man i think you've been busy yeah, uh, most of my stuff I have to leave for Beyond the Rim because it's all fantasy Skaven and stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about what you've been working on, though. Yeah, so lots of Skaven. Uh, ages ago, but after we recorded last, I finished my Assault Terminator squad. Yeah, yeah. So I did the like last highlights. I think I still have to go back and do a little bit of cleanup like around their eyes. But they're done. They just need to be based. And uh, since my demons can be summoned with Malefic, I'll talk about those. So I got to start collecting corn box and built all that except for pieces that I left off just so it's easier to uh, paint them. So like all the uh, juggernauts, blood crushers, they're all in pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I magnetized the skull cannon slash blood throne so that like I can swap it out and the herald has, mag- has a magnet in his foot and stuff so he can jump on top there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been working a lot on the blood letters. They're almost done. I'm going for like a very different color scheme than your traditional. I really like scheme. them, man. They're like that blackish gray, like a charcoal skin. Yeah. So if you look at the blood, the new plastic bloodthirster kit, like on their website, one of them has like red armor with black skin and fur. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what I took my inspiration from. But of course, bloodletters don't wear armor, so it's just all black. Mm-hmm. And then brown horns going up to like a beige at the tips. And uh, their hand, their swords have like red blades and then like bronze handles mm-hmm. and red tongues. So you got like a splash of red, but otherwise just very dark grays. Yeah. We were talking about, because you got some custom bases for all your, this whole army as yeah. well. Which I'm... I like the bases, but that was, it's expensive. It's very expensive to do custom yeah. bases, but they just like, I, you were showing me some of your model, your storm vermin. Yeah. Uh, the other day. And when you showed it to me, I went, dude, this might be some of the best stuff you've painted. Yeah. And you had dry brushed everything. Yeah. The whole and I kind of knew when I told you that I might offend you a little bit by telling you that it was, might've been the best thing that you painted. <laughs> and when I told you that you were like, what? Oh, it was so easy to paint this. How is this the best thing I've done? Yeah. But I honestly, I do think that those storm vermin and also your, your blood letters are like up there, up there with some of the best stuff you've painted, man. Well, I was saying this to actually, I was saying this to my mom the other day because I was painting in the kitchen. Yeah. I said, look, I, my painting has gotten better, but more importantly, my color theory that's that's the biggest part yeah so i can you know look at a model and figure out what colors will look good or Mm -hmm. like look at pictures online say like that really works yeah yeah. so with the storm vermin like very dark grays dark brown and then like a splash of red yeah just something to pull it up a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. so stuff like that the skaven in general are very dark i'm not sure i might do like splashes of green Mm -hmm. for the warp stone yeah but yeah, and the bases are all like cobblestone stuff. It's the town square and I think the flagstone bases from Secret Web Miniatures. Yeah, they're really nice. And that's just a couple layers of cover shades of gray, not yeah. 50 shades, but like four. <laughs> Maybe like, yeah, three or three four, or four <laughs> shades and just dry rush. It's them. not that kinky. No. Um, now, we were talking about the blood letters, how to like maybe mix them up and have like some type of glowing in the bases. Have you yeah. thought about maybe taking. Um, uh, maybe the the red glaze or like a red ink and running it over the in the cracks yeah that's what noah suggested i if you did I a little bit of red it. if you did like a few layers of the red and then like an orange it might work or like a yellow it might work it's a lot of yeah, work though if you want to do it i don't know maybe i've got a couple of 32 mils left over some i might try it i'm kind of loath to do it and then fuck up a base because they're i mean individually they're not that expensive but like yeah they're expensive right yeah. gotta order them and shit so yeah exactly that's the other thing when i'm like i've got my base army and i've played a few games and now i'm like oh i need to order more shit and it's like oh right i need bases for those too yeah and, i had the same thing with like my gray knights is like yeah. every unit that i get for my gray knights i have to go Tap buy new bases like 15 but then like something i yeah. think you're just painting your bases right yeah, I'm not putting adding. Yeah, any for extra mine, stuff. I'm like adding extra stuff to all the bases yeah. and stuff like that. It's a lot of work just to do a squad of like ten guys. Yeah, right. Uh, do you want to do games played or hobby goals next? No, let's do hobby goals. Okay, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, other than Age of Sigmar, remember, I believe we're recording in like less than a week from now. Yeah. Oh, between now and next week. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's no 40k. I'm gonna get done. Okay. Now that. I. I Okay, I want to buy scouts because they're now blood angel scouts are better now. Mm-hmm. Let's go, let's go four. So, and for our campaign, I want to run 15, 15 of them. Hmm, so, good to know. I told you. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Anyways, so I already have a bunch of sniper scouts, but I want ten man assault scout squads. So yeah. I need to 
purchase those and build and paint them by the beginning of August, essentially, mm -hmm. and base them and base my other, like, I don't know, 1850 points to 1800 points. Yeah, well, it's all going to be base if you want to play with it, right? Yeah, and a lot of my stuff is already painted, but nothing is based in that entire army. Yeah. So. Well, at least then it's not like a lot of work for you to do. That's true. It's not yeah. like you got to paint stuff from, like, I'm going to have to, like, like build stuff from scratch. Yeah. No, paint you're, it. You're, and I got, I got a lot of work ahead of me for the campaign, but should still be fun. Yeah. There's also a tournament in Windsor. I'll mention it now. I'll mention it at the yeah. end as well. But it's the, uh, I think it's called the Summer Slaughter. Mm -hmm. It takes place at Brimstone Games on the Sunday after the long weekend. I believe that's the 7th. Entry is $20. It's an 1850 point tournament. Uh, $20 entrance fee. I already said that. $20 entrance fee. <laughs> Uh, three formations, similar ITC. I think it's using the ETC fact. Mm -hmm. And registration closes soon. So if you want to go, go sign up after as soon as you hear this. But I made a uh, – Tyler, who's been on the show a few times, is running it. I made mm -hmm. a promise to him that I would ring in that. I'd be the ringer for that tournament. Mm -hmm. So I got to try and be a man of my word, make it down to Windsor that weekend. Right and, uh, if they have an odd number of players, I'll just sign up yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah. But I need to bring a fully painted 1850 list. Mm -hmm. So – well, I'll try and fully try painted, and... minimum three colors. Well, I'd like to. Yeah, I, and I know what you're saying. Yeah. Well, but, base too, probably. Yeah, but... I want to get a base for then. And yeah. then most of that stuff is in my, uh, like, Escalation army. So yeah. What about you? What are you getting done between now and next time we record, at least? Going to finish the Zevasaur. Okay. And I'm going to finish that. Ooh, which one? Which one? Which one? Which Vindicare? one would you like to see me finish? Alexis? I think you should do the Vitnikar because he's got okay. you down now. So yeah. I think you should pump yourself up. Okay, cool. So I'm going to finish that episode. That's not going to take too long. Probably another like two hours. I got to work on him. Yeah, and then uh, I'll try and finish that. Uh, try and finish that Vitnikar as well. Yeah, and I mean the Calexus. I'm assuming you're going to look forward to painting that because it's so cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's yeah. a good thing to like leave for last. Almost. Exactly. Yeah, I want to get some colors on the Inquisitor as well. I want to go for that like that yeah. old man pale skin. Nice color going. So yeah. that should be awesome. Cool. Uh, games played. You go first. Okay, buddy. Um, so I've mainly been playing... Um, well, I played an APOC game, but we're going to talk about that later in the main segment. Yep. Um, but I've been mainly been playing 600-point games just because Love we're all... Overwatch? <laughs> Sorry. Well, I've been playing a lot of 40K no, no, because sorry, my life is... say Overwatch. Are you talking about like a Tau Fireline taking a charge or something else? They're both horribly. They're both horrible. They're both, <laughs> both horrible addictions. Yeah, exactly. Just marker light overwatch and um, Xbox overwatch. But I've been playing a lot of 600 point games because we're getting ready for the campaign for the escalation campaign. Yep. And we're all kind of just like playing each other's 600 point list to get an idea of like how it runs, how it runs, be, like what needs to be changed, what's cheap, what's not. Cause we're like, we're playing fully narrative, like, if your army is cheesy, get the fuck out. Yeah. So we're playing a lot of different... Like, everyone's trying to play each other. Little round robin almost before the campaign starts. Yeah. Um, which and is good, too, because some of us are playing some difficult armies. Yeah. Myself included. <laughs> Actually, most people... Like, there aren't a lot of top-tier armies. Like, Inquisition, Imperial Guard, Blood Angels. Like, those aren't super competitive armies, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. so I played against uh, Mike... And Mike was playing Tyranids. Mm -hmm. And I believe he had two or three squads of Hormagons. And then he had a Flying Hive Tyrant and two Zonethropes. Uh, that sounds right. That's yeah. what I saw on the I table. I think so, yeah. 
I just can't remember if it was two or three squads. I think it was just two. Um, just to get that like minimum troop choice, I think. Right, right. And um, I was playing my assassins and the Inquisitor. Now the Inquisitor is like super bare bones. Mm-hmm. I think he just has like cybolt ammunition, so he's just yeah. like he's just standing back right now, just to fulfill like a leader in the army. Yeah, right, right. Um, but yeah, man, it was fun. I did like a lot, a lot of damage. Arguably, like a game went the full time. His flying hive tyrant was like flying around doing his thing and then mike's just like a fun opponent to play against Mm -hmm. he realized that he probably just could have whooped my ass yeah flying around so he landed yeah and then like charged and just got raped by the calidus i think like no i think it was the cluxus that killed him yeah it was yeah because i think the 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 cowardice went in and then died yeah um but did a lot of damage too she took out like a whole bunch of gaunts obviously with her flamer and shit like that right yeah yeah um evasor just took out a whole unit of gaunts yeah um vindicare took a few shots but man that three up involve save is so hard to like what type of shot to use do you ignore the involve and just do one wound because he's only taking one shot a turn right or do you yeah. let him have the three plus save hope that he fails it and get d3 wounds right yeah it's hard how many I, wounds does Zelmthorpe's have three two or three yeah yeah that's a tough choice right so it's and he has two of them I was like, yeah. okay, I got to shoot at these guys because he knows too that he's got to take them out. But honestly, I have them in the army. Like I mainly use them as a tank hunter. Yeah. And in my second game, he actually, he did a, well, no second game, he got killed too. I'll talk about that afterwards. But he is there for as a tank hunter. He, he has a strength 10 shot. That's argue, arguably his best use. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a strength 10, tanks. ignores cover shot. Yeah. So, um, but the game ended on turn five because the store was closing and, we had maybe about 15 minutes left. We probably could have kept going, but we had to set up for an APOC game the next day. Right, yeah. So we were just like, okay, cool. Shake hands, call it. But we were turn five, and all that was left on the table were two zone tropes, my Caluxus assassin. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like, I know how this game would end. If the, if the game didn't end on a die roll at that point, yeah. I probably would have taken it to him the I next you, turn or two, you were right? down like one victory point or something. Yeah, like I just yeah. needed to kill one of those to tie it and then both of them to win it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was still a great game. Good mm-hmm. learning experience because it was my first time actually using the assassins. I wasn't even using my assassins. I was borrowing some from our buddy Leonard. Right. Um, and then after that game, I was like, okay, so long as everyone's cool with me using the execution force, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. I bought it afterwards. And then my second game, I had already built them and I played against Jordan and his Tau. Right. And uh, man, that's another tough army to, to actually play against Tau now. Not being Tau is... Uh, a difficult especially when you're playing like a mainly close combat army right i thought for a second you were just come out like man marker lights are so broken. no he doesn't have any marker lights in his list yet oh um but at 600 points he has a riptide he has a buff mander with only one relic because we're playing that way and yeah, the, uh, and, and three broadsides no drones and then he has two units of breachers and that's his 600 points we should also mention that <clears throat> In the escalation, like each round to round, you build your army list. Yeah. So these 600 points are going to be in our final list. Yeah, you can't change so it at all. Yeah, it's kind of, an, it's really important to know what, what you're, you're going to be going for. Yeah, in the end. that's yeah. over a third of your final. And Jordan's also, Jordan's also playing list. an army that like, he's not too sure how much free time he's going to have in the coming months. So he's kind of yeah. just playing his Tau that he already has. Already and I think painted and stuff, that already yeah. painted, all he has to do is like base it. Yeah. So he's just basing it now and stuff like that. Just kind of, he's throwing in what he has. And his Tau army is a pretty powerful Tau army. Yeah. So mm, cheesy. Well, just try not to put too much cheese in at once, right? Yeah. Uh, it's 
But you know what, man? I did a lot of damage. Like I put that uh I put the Calidus like mm. right there, first turn, turned around a corner, fired that flamer, right? Because yeah. obviously I'm infiltrating. So like yeah. yeah, I'll deploy first. Yeah. Right. right I'll deploy right. first. Cool. I'm deployed. I put down my Inquisitor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, now you deploy. All right, now I'll do all my I'll put down all my models on deploy the table. My eighty percent of my army. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so yeah, Calidus came around the corner torched a whole squad of breachers now i kind of put like the vindicare in the back as well he took a shot first turn and ignoring cover he was going for the d3 wounds instead of the two plus hit right because precision shots at minus two mm-hmm. he was going to try and take out the the buff mander right on the um with, with the broadsides yeah. right just take out his warlord right away mm-hmm. d3 wounds he can kill him in one turn if he needs to right yeah uh, but he failed on the hit and then proceeded to just eat it the next turn because yeah. jordan was like i know what's up he's just put the whole broadside unit on them and with a four plus say or three plus but they ignore cover more or less but they do ignore cover with the he gave them the ignores cover uh right right relic but yeah and then he just took out that and then i made the mistake of like putting my evasor on one side to just wipe a squad of breachers because an evasor is good at just taking out regular infantry yeah and then i put my calexus on the other side which is starting to hit and he's like but when you're rolling like 48 shots or 24 shots twin linked. Yeah. It's like, even though you're hitting on sixes, you're still landing a fair amount. So like making his way, making his way, making his way in. And like, okay, you still have to eat all those shots for overwatch. I should have put the Evasaur and the, cause the Evasaur still could have done a lot of damage mm-hmm. to the, um, to the broadsides on his own. Yeah, for sure. So I did like, like I should have had them both on the same side and then combo charge them, yeah. which is how you have to play against Tau. You can't complain about like, oh, it's so hard to get into combat with Tau. Then just fucking charge two units in at once, man. Well, it's not that simple. It's not that simple, but that's the only way you're going to get it done. Yeah, but like with um, supporting fire, like half the units can overwatch at one thing and then the other half can overwatch at your second unit. Yeah, so okay. still a lot of overwatch. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But the highlight of the match was definitely the Callus Assassin charging the Riptide. <laughs> winning by one wound and writing it down and he failed his he failed his uh leadership his test. leadership check and running him down yeah which we were kind of wondering like is he able to do that and it's like well i don't see why not he ran and then yeah why wouldn't you be yeah able why to? wouldn't you be able to huh? right monsters most creatures. monsters creatures are fearless though right yeah but yeah fucked fucked out right so hey <laughs> yeah Caldas assassin fucked up that uh <laughs> and he needed he needed a six to do anything but the six gets past invulnerable saves right yeah so she ended up winning that battle but i still ended up losing because there was just like i couldn't get i killed everything except that broadside unit and yeah. I, just, I wasn't getting in there was no way i was getting in i think the only model left on the table was my uh evasor and my inquisitor mm-hmm. and the inquisitor wasn't getting anywhere close and he doesn't have anything except a bolt pistol and a close combat weapon yeah the assassins they're really good but they're not tough because they only have three wounds no yeah. eternal warrior yeah and they have a four-up invol, which is nice, but you only need to cause statistically six wounds to them, and they're dead. Yeah. Which, you know, toughness four, it's good, but mm-hmm. not great. Yeah. So they really, I find, if you get them into combat and get them into a challenge with another unit supporting them, mm-hmm. then they're really good. Because yeah, they yeah. just wreck house in the challenge, mm-hmm. kill all the characters, then just eat up the rest of the unit. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to expanding with, like, my Inquisition and my Grey Knights. Yeah. And seeing how they play right now, but... Obviously, I'm becoming a way more like tactical player. Like right, I, right. Re- I like tougher armies to play now. It's yeah. a little frustrating because I don't win as much as I was winning. Like with Tau. With Tau like, but Tau just became too easy. And I was even making an 1850 list because as we're recording this on Saturday, there's like an 1850 ITC event at Meeple Mart. 
And I was thinking about going to that. This past Saturday? Or no, this coming, coming Saturday. Really? Um, but I was like making a Tau list. And I'm like, I'm just kind of bored of playing. Like, there's like only one way to really play Tau. And it's like, I was like making a list. I was like, I'd love to have a bit more variety here. But if I want to be at all competitive, I can't do that. Yeah. And what am, what am I doing spending a whole day at a tournament if I'm just going to lose every single game horribly because I didn't play Tau the way they're meant to be played right now? You, you know what you could do? What? Bring my Dark Eldar. Oh, shit, son. Yeah, yeah. Go to the tournament. Wrong side it up. Wrong side it up. I love playing Dark Eldar, man. I know you do. Um, but yeah, that's Anyways. those are pretty much the games I've been playing. How about yourself? Right. Uh, it's been so long, I can't keep track of all the games I've played. Yep. So uh, I played a 600-point game with my list before the Scout FAQ came out against Leonard. And this game was... I'm remembering other games. I It's been so long, though. Um, this game looked rough in the beginning, so I'd like a chaplain with a five-man tax squad in a drop pod, another five-man tax squad, and like a seven-man assault squad, and a death death company dread, and that was about it. And this this was after the dreadnought was FAQ to, yeah. f- I don't know, plus two attacks, whatever that ends. It's eight attacks on the charge, I think, with it, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's some serious damage. But, you know, I start on one end of the board with my assault army. Leonard starts on the other side, and i got to slog it up. Drop hog comes down. That squad gets shot to hell. Yeah. But, you know, as soon as one guy gets into combat, it does a lot. And I had a heavy flamer in my drop hog squad, mm-hmm. and that ate up, like, four or well, six guys. Well, too, right? Like, yeah, exactly. The flamer's just going to tear them apart. I mean, that's a lot of shooting. Yeah. But, you know, just I need one or two guys in there, go in. Cause win the combat, break them, and run them down. Yeah, and did that a few times. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. These these small games that we're playing are a lot of fun. I find. Yeah, they're nice, they're fast and paced, yeah. and we're playing on four by four tables. So yeah, my assault squad. I deep struck it. It came down, blew up a Lehman Russ with melty guns, mm-hmm. and then wiped one or two other squads off the board in assault. And yeah, Chaplin wiped a squad, killed a Chimera, Dreadnought ate a bunch of heavy weapon shots and died before it got anywhere. You took a lot of damage early on in the game. Yeah. And I remember watching just the beginning of the game before I went to go play one of my games and I was looking at it and I was like, this game is done. You're toast. You're not winning this one. So I I walked away and then Leonard came by afterwards. I go, oh, how'd it go? He goes, yeah, tabled. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, good job. He goes, no, no, I got tabled. And I was like, what? <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> you were playing Ian, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ian never tables somebody. Yeah. But I also play, I can't remember the guy's name. I've only seen him at the store once or twice. But he was playing uh, Tempestus Guard, like all stormtroopers with their AB3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won that game, too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm kind of getting the hang of Blood Angels. And a lot of it's going back to my roots, like, assault units like lots of jump back troops throw yeah. some terminators in there a couple land raider you know whatever Just, uh, stay as durable company. as you can until you get into combat and yeah either, then you're gonna tear people up either super durable units or lots of like jump back infantry yeah, yeah and like that's the kind of army i'm gonna be running from now on so just like lots of you know big as if i can big 10 man squads of jump pack troops and now that scouts are worth taking mm-hmm I mean, I took them against you, and that worked out pretty well. You want to talk about that game? Yeah, sure, we can talk about that game. So we ended up playing, I wanted to use the Execution Force yep. with my Grey Knights. So we played 1500, and I used the Execution Force instead of the um, 
instead of the knight that I've been taking to make 1500. And I think I dropped the Brotherhood Champion as well just to take yeah, the Inquisitor. Yeah. Um, but I upgraded the Inquisitor more this time oh, because we're not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't just use, like, I'm using an Ordo Malice Inquisitor um, for the campaign just because since I'm bringing in Grey Knights to keep it narrative, like, I think Ordo Malice is probably the worst that you can take unless you're playing against demons, obviously. Like, even yeah. his Warlord trait table, like, I think it's four to six on the Warlord trade table are only good against demons. Yeah, yeah. The one to three are pretty good, like, otherwise. Mm-hmm. But still, you have three traits on the Warlord table that are just absolutely useless unless you're playing against demons, and nobody's playing demons in the campaign. Yeah. Um, well, Alfonso's playing Word Bearers. Is he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, demons. yeah. Who, they summon demons? Okay, right yeah. on. So maybe they're, they're we'll see. They're the demon summoning legion. Cool. So. so then maybe it'll work against him, and it'll yeah. actually make sense narrative-wise. Yeah, yeah. Um, but against you, I used Ordo Xenos, I think I used, which didn't make a lot of sense because you weren't playing Xenos, but Whatever. he has some cool things that he can take. Like psycho bullshit grenades. Yeah, well, yeah, he takes like these psychotropic grenades or something. Psychotropic grenades, yeah. yeah. And I don't think i had the points to give him rad grenades too but basically when you charge in i roll a d6 and then on a one nothing happens but on anything else it's fucking like amazing yeah and i think i ended up rolling a two which is the enemy unit only gets one attack per model yeah sorry let, let's frame this a little <laughs> bit i charge in with we're playing my, the relic as well that's right so it's a big fight so i charge in with my death company against your like i don't know terminator unit with librarian inquisitor yeah Five attacks on the charge with hatred, with furious charge, yeah. a couple of power axes in there. Like, this is my, like, absolute killy unit. Yeah. And then you roll a grenade into them. <laughs> and the effect of this gas grenade is they all start wondering and become hippies. And, like, why are we even fighting? And this is in the description. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's all so simple. We're, we're just little pieces. We, we need to be lovey-dovey. And every model can only make one attack. Yeah. And I would like to remind our listeners that this is the death company. <laughs> These are the blood angels so consumed by rage that they don't even think they're fighting the enemy on the battlefield. They think they're back on Terra yeah. during the final days of the Horus heresy fighting the traitors <laughs> and, like, witnessing the death of Sanguinus. Like, this is... It, these, that's, one, that's one powerful grenade. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, like, just completely fucked that charge. Well, it fucked the charge, but you still ended up killing me in combat yeah. not that turn the next After turn like two or three rounds yeah, yeah, yeah. three or four yeah a while but yeah that was that was devastating <laughs> but yeah that just like took all the wind out of my sails yeah i definitely thought i had you at the beginning um so did i yeah but yeah it's just things the dice were not going my way that game yeah i could not roll a three plus save for the life of me yeah like every shot you were taking at, at my marines were just guys were going down guys were going down and i was I was getting, I wasn't like I was still having fun, but I was getting frustrated at the fact that like I would get into assault and I would roll I couldn't roll a three to hit mm-hmm. regardless. Like I was still hitting you on threes with some of my guys. Like an assassin would get in and I'd roll nothing but ones and twos. I get yeah, like yeah. one hit here, kill one guy, and then you'd you're blood angels, so like you'd still throw a lot of attacks back at me and it's like fuck man, I'm still I'm getting the advantage here, but I'm not the dice aren't going my way. Yeah. And at strength five, you know, it's a wounded on threes. Yeah. Um and I think I was running Excuse me, ball strike force so on the charging plus one initiative. Yeah, you so were going yeah. before you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I ran scouts. Yeah, you did. They yep. uh, killed two assassins, a 10 man squad. 
Evasaur and then Venator. Well, same thing though. The Evasaur just botched completely. Yeah. Like he ran in there, he should have just eaten them all, and he just botched like so many of his heads. Yeah. Well, you're using the Power Sword, where you probably should have gone with the Neuro Gauntlet on that one. Yeah, probably. The Flesh Bane with Shred, so two up, re-rollable to wound, and then just... And then hope that you don't make your four pluses. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, live and learn. Yep. No, I'm still learning them, and it's good. Like, i got to get these games in, and I've been lost almost every game I think I've played with them, but, like... Well, it's a... You're not taking, like, a... if like points efficient army right you're sinking nearly 600 points in a four guy well the thing is in the campaign we're upgrading by 300 points yeah so i'll never get another chance to throw all the assassins in there true true so i mean unless i want to piecemeal them but no i want the force to be like i want the inquisitor to be going with an execution force yeah oh that's fair cool man i think that's all i got to talk about yeah uh we just said we're going to talk about like why there's been this huge delay in the show and stuff yeah 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 so uh for those who don't know i'm now gainfully employed in downtown toronto so congratulations thank you (laughs) that's taken up a shit ton of my life and working full time yeah and yeah no it's good i really like the job it's in the law field so um yeah that's kind of just eating up our life and also been doing a shit ton of gaming like lots of hobby progress yeah you've been gaming a lot man you're just like I'm glad that you like the community here in Toronto. Yeah. Because, like, you're just there, like, all the time. Like, I'll show up at GW and you're there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and it's, you know, it's a bit of a hike for me to get down here, too. Yeah, but, but a good community is a good community. You yeah, know? but, you know, if I get off work early, I can just take the subway up and, like, just hang out for a bit. And then yeah, and it's a, real, it's a real hangout community. Everyone yeah. just is, like, chilling, talking, painting, right? It's not just, like, show up and you're going to play a game. It's like, well, no, you might not play a game, but everyone's painting, so just hang around and talk, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, um, also we started board game slash role playing group and mm-hmm. that's kicking off. Everyone's super excited about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk so. about that and be on the rim a bit. But yeah, hopefully, you know, trying to, we got new recording equipment. We got we a, sound a small guy. little hiatus there, but I think we're going to be coming yeah. back full force. Yeah. I mean, we live in the same geographical location now. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> same. You think we'd be recording more often? Yeah, you'd think so, but <laughs> apparently we just figured, yeah, we live close. It'll happen. Yeah, like, exactly. Just by yeah, yeah. Before it was like, oh, you show up for a weekend. Ah, we got to record Friday night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right on. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, we're back with our main topic. So are we coming back with our main topic? Give me a look. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back with our main topic. Apocalypse. Dun, dun, dun. Welcome back. We're talking about our main topic today, mm-hmm. Apocalypse Games. Yeah, a topic close to my heart. Close to your heart. I feel like you are like the the guy to go to when it comes to Apocalypse Games. Oh, really? Thank you. I had never, I've been back for what, about a year and a half now to the game, and I have never experienced an Apocalypse game before until, what, three weeks ago, I think? About that, yeah. About three weeks ago, we had our, my first Apocalypse game, mm-hmm. and uh, after that, I figured, you know... We should do a we should do a segment on that. Yeah. Kind of get it because I, I can't imagine that like I'm the only person that had never played an apocalypse game before. I would think yeah. that other people out there have never played it. So we can mm-hmm. uh, kind of cover a bunch of things about the uh, about the format today. Yeah. So why don't we start off with the mo- most basic thing, Ian? What is an apocalypse game? Well, Jason, uh, apocalypse is a supplement for Warhammer 40,000 at its most basic form. So there haven't really been a lot of supplement books in 7th edition. Mm -hmm. What's generally happened is the rules that would usually be released 
as a standalone supplement have been rolled into some of the campaign books. So mm-hmm. uh, books like Curse of the Wolf and Shield of Ball, that sort of stuff, they will include a section for uh, Cities of Death or yeah. City Fight, as it used to be called, for... Um, uh, what the hell is the other one now I'm forgetting? The uh, Planet Strike. Mm-hmm. That's uh, another big one. Um, there might be one or two more. But those used to be released on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't released updated Apocalypse rules in any campaign, which is unfortunate because it's one of my favorite ways to play. Mm-hmm. But they released the latest edition, and I believe it was the second iteration of Apocalypse rules in 6th edition. Now I'm questioning myself. Uh, yeah, I'm 9% sure it was 6th edition. Maybe late 5th edition. Now I'm just... I, was, I had a feeling someone said it was 5th. But it might be 5th because it. I remember random charge distances coming up. Anyway, so mm-hmm. it's it's a little out of date. And yeah. you look at some of the rules, especially like Dark Elder specific rules is a great example. And they mm-hmm. talk about pain tokens. Well, there's no pain tokens anymore yeah. in the 7th Ed Dark Elder. But with minor adjustments, it is still very playable so uh for apocalypse you it's a supplement for playing bigger games yeah apocalypse starts at three thousand points per player so at its most basic form you and me jay could get three thousand points on the table and play a one-on-one apocalypse and use all the rules special rules out of the book and formation strategic assets whatever Mm -hmm. and have a good game yeah and it won't honestly take that long to mm-hmm. play because at three thousand points, if you bring a couple big death stars, it eats up a lot of your points. Yeah, I feel like once you, I feel like two thousand is kind of like the highest that you go before you start entering like large scale games. Yeah, two thousand is a big game, yeah. and above that, it's like definitely we're we're talking about a serious afternoon. Yeah, you're committing sort of some thing. time to this thing. Yeah, that's not uh, if you're going like so. At my old club in Windsor there'd be three time slots on a club day. Mm-hmm. Each one was three hours. And if you're playing more than 2,000 points, generally you're ta- you're signing up for one game over two slots, yeah, over six yeah. hours, because it's going to take more than three hours once you count for setup and tear down all mm-hmm. that shit. So definitely something to think of. But I, I've played games like that where me and Aaron, a.k.a. Soband, we, I remember distinctly we played a 3,000-point APOC game and used rules from mm-hmm. APOC. It was fun. Which is interesting because, like, you hear a lot of APOC games being, like, like 10,000 or, like, 24,000 yeah. and stuff. Like, ma- yeah, massive, yeah. massive, massive games. It's cool that you can still use those rules at a lower point scale, but larger than your large Warhammer game. Yeah, but you can play it on with, you know, two players, one player aside on yeah. a 6 by 4 table. A six by four and table, it's still yeah. playable and fun. Mm-hmm. And... One thing that a lot of people said about Apocalypse, it's the most important thing is the mindset. You're not going in competitively. Yeah. You're going to be picking your favorite tank up off the board because it's going to get sniped by a D-weapon yeah. first turn. You're that Tyranid Hierophant that you just built, Tyler. That's going off the table as yeah, soon as my so Shadow excited Sword to just use it. Yeah. it. Yeah. But um, as we'll talk about later when it comes to rules and stuff like that, is you can spend points to bring these things back into the game. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, so there's ways to... So it might get taken off that. right away, but don't be sad about it because it's all about having fun. Spend those points, get it back on the table if yeah. you want to use it, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. So that's... Yeah, that in its essence, that's what Apocalypse yeah. is. Um, now, these are obviously like massive games, more or less. 
Now, they don't have to be massive, but they tend to be larger you games. You get up to six figures of points, like over 100,000 right. points Right, now these the must be a little bit harder to organize than your average, hey, man, you want to play a 1,500-point game? Cool, I yeah. got my army here. You got your army? Let's, big, let's make a table, yeah. right? So why don't we talk a little bit about, like, organizing right. an apocalypse game? Where do you start? Uh, I guess the starting point would be if people want to play. Mm-hmm. So Apocalypse Game is a great way to cap off a campaign where you already have people really excited, looking for a grand climax or conclusion to an epic story. Uh, if you have a bunch of people who are bored with your basic out-of-the-book tournament missions or want to try something different, then it's great to play. Mm-hmm. If you want to spend a whole afternoon or even a whole weekend just playing 40K, putting aside like, you know, eight or 16 or 20 hours just dedicated to 40K, this is a way great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of a tournament, we're going to have a massive, massive game. Yeah. So definitely getting people who are interested, I'd say would be the first step. Next thing I would consider is probably getting a date that works for everyone that Kind of goes without saying, but probably harder than it is. Yeah, because so you're not just, you're not you're not getting people to lock down like a two or three hour period. You have to get people to lock down an entire day, an entire day. So to generally, to this. You, as the organizer, you would say give enough lead time, like at least a month, and say this day I'm going to do it. Yeah, you know, come over to my place. You know, I'll I'll buy a case of beer. We'll play in the garage. Yeah, we'll all pool money for pizza or what whatever. And that's mm-hmm. here's I I've got seven slots open first come first serve out of my you know group of friends or out of my club or whatever yeah and people in windsor do that like there's a couple of those games a year where people will have just post up on the website first come first serve we're playing apoc in my house yeah got to come out to wherever like rob i know he plays an annual game in tilbury maybe twice annual Sweet. i've had like games at my place not apocalypse level but pretty big but pretty big yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that brings to the next point is you need to have space for this mm-hmm. so if it's just one-on-one three thousand points you can fit it all on a six by four table fairly easily it mm-hmm. might be a little cramped but anything bigger than that you're going to need multiple tables so you know two six by fours end to end so 12 by four a wider table uh i used to play with two buddies of mine uh, four of us used to get together. We did it two or three times. We went over to their place out in the county outside of Windsor mm-hmm. and played a two-on-two apocalypse game, like three to 4,000 points a player. And we were playing on, I think, an eight-by-six table. Yeah. Just like this giant-ass table that they had. And that was a good size. So, um, yeah. Uh, so and that takes up a lot of space. If you're playing in a store, you're going to be taking up a huge part of their play area. So... You definitely need to talk to the store owner about, um, you know, scheduling a date that works with them. So mm-hmm. you're not, you know, interrupting an event or going to get kicked out early because they're closing early that day or something. Yeah. And I mean, a great idea here is like what we did for our APOC game that we had recently was we organized with the store to have an APOC game. So there yeah. was a sign up sheet and everything. Yeah. And it wasn't a massive turnout, but there was a buy in. Yeah. So if you wanted to play in the APOC game, you had to buy something for the APOC game. Yeah. And that brings revenue into the store. And even though we ended up taking up three tables, two full tables, and then a prep table that was that was like three out of the five tables that the store has. Yeah. We still everybody that was playing on those tables, we still had like if people were playing one on one games, we had more people than 
those three tables would have hold, would have yeah, held if they were just one right? one game and yeah. everybody bought something yeah so he brought revenue into the store the store manager was more than happy to let us play that game yeah so you know negotiating with the manager or owner you know have a buy-in usually people are going to buy stuff for epoch anyways or I mean, this is an expensive hobby. People are like constantly buying stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, personally, I I don't like buy-ins because it like it can interrupt my schedule of what I'm planning to buy. Yeah, but you know, most of the time, it's not a problem. Um, so yeah, getting a big play area that's a big thing. If you're playing at home, making sure your spouse, or your roommates, or your parents or whatever are cool with it, they understand this is gonna. You know, we're taking over the garage all day or yeah. over the weekend, mm-hmm. or I need to clear off the basement. We're going to be sitting, the, we're going to be down there all day and well into the night. That sort of thing is important to think about. Uh, food, beverages, bathrooms, garbage cans, those are all big things to keep in mind. Kind of like any event, right? Yeah. It, that's it, it becomes an event. It doesn't just become a game. Exactly. Yeah. So you have it's, to think about crowd control and stuff like that almost. Yeah, you know, there needs to be enough room for multiple guys, and some gamers are pretty big guys. Like, yeah. I'm not a thin guy to, like, get around this ta- get around mm-hmm. this giant table and lean over it and yeah. lounge nearby because they're long turns. So, yeah, you, there's more downtime. Than you're definitely at some point going to want to sit down. Um, okay, well, so, let's talk about, like, do you personally, when you're organizing a game, do you have certain like organization sheets that you like to keep track of? Because there must be a lot of things going on during these games. Well, I always post a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I bring so uh, I'll talk about the schedule because yep. I think that's really important. So, and if you read the latest iteration of the Apocalypse Rules, it talks at length about the schedule and how that is built into the rules. Mm-hmm. And breaks need to be scheduled because that's when you score points. So typically what I do is about an hour per turn for a team with timed phases. So 10 to 15 minutes of phase, depending on how big the game is, how long the turns are, how that breaks down. Mm -hmm. And remember also with the psychic phase, there's four phases now. And the assault phase tends to run long. Run long, yeah. And... You know, in your game where Tau was on one side and Pyramid was on the other, we said you the Tau players cannot run their their shooting phase into the assault phase. Yeah, and we made that rule very strict. That, that's but at the same time, the we didn't have any psychic phase. So yeah, that's how we you, had twenty minutes of shooting. We said that in our movement wasn't that long either. Yeah. So we said at the half an hour mark of our turn, you have to be in the assault phase. Yeah, you exactly. have to be. There's no choice. If you're not done your shooting, too bad you don't get to shoot. It's on to the assault phase. Yeah, and that's something you tell your players ahead of time, mm-hmm. that there will be timed rounds, that if you're bringing, you know, 100 orcs as a green tide, you need to keep that in mind mm-hmm. and get your teammates to help you or your opponents to help you move that. Yeah, yeah. But if you come with, you know, 150 fire warriors and minimum-sized units of, like, six or whatever yeah. the minimum is... And you're shooting all those at different targets. You need to. That's you're not going to shoot everything. There yeah. just isn't enough time. Mm-hmm. So that that comes down to building your army. How are you going to build it? Yeah. So so how would you build an army for an apocalypse game? I tend to run big units, big Death Star units. Yep. So the last APOC game I participated in, I had my custom chapter master who weighs in at like 230 points, with a Terminator assault squad and a land raider. With a sanguinary priest, with a chaplain, with a terminator librarian. Yeah. So 
that's a full Land Raider Crusader with four characters, I think, mm -hmm. and a tricked-out Terminator Assault Squad. Mm -hmm. And that all comes out close to a 1,000 points. And then I'll take, like, a Sanguinary Guard Squad with another chaplain and Sanguinary Priest. And a lot captain. of more, more characters in there and stuff like I, that. I run, like all the characters and then like a big squad of death company and another land. Yeah. Raider. So stuff is going to be being taken off the table all the time. So you might as well just play with these big units. Yeah. Big. High point cost units. That's not saying you don't take infantry. You should take, it. I love the fact that like, yeah. I'm pretty sure I was one of the only people that took infantry on the Tau side of our, yeah. of our game, but I wanted to take lots of infantry because I think infantry has a huge place in like apocalypse games. Well, the, also the way you build it is, it's essentially unbound, but you can also take formations. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I run infantry, but instead of assault squads, I mean, instead of tactical squads or scout squads, I'm running assault squads. So I might have 30 assault marines deep striking onto the table, but no attack marines, for example. So there's lots of troops on the table, and it's a fluffy army, but I, I don't have to take troop choices. Mm -hmm. So that that's something to keep in mind, how to build an army around that. Now... With the, like, you can play an APOC game with a few people, but you tend to have, like, what, 8, 10, 16 people in yeah. these games. You must end up getting a lot of clutter on the table. How do you control, like, books being everywhere? People, because everyone's kind of doing their own thing. There must be some type of way to keep that to a minimum. Um, yes and no. Like, sometimes <laughs> there isn't. Uh, when I... I had a big game in my house a few months ago when I was still in Windsor. It was an APOC. It was, mm -hmm. um, I think, three-on-three three with 2,000 points a player. And when I was setting up the basement, I made sure that I had specific tables for people to, like, prep their armies prep tables, and like, yep. unload it. Mm -hmm. and we had the same thing in our game. Yeah, I was about to say that GW put aside an entire table for yep. prep. Uh, last... Not just prep. We had a table that we taped off to have prep and then reserves. Yeah. So that things even so that that would even keep the flow of the game going better. It's yeah. like okay, what in here hasn't come on yet? Oh, okay, this stuff is in transports, and this stuff has to be rolled for reserves yeah, at the yeah. beginning. Or well, turn one, they can come on. But yeah. Um, so yeah, having setting it up and organizing it that way, so mm -hmm. at a quick glance you can see, oh, that's what's in reserve. That's still going to come on the table. Mm -hmm. That helps for the opponents especially because they. They know what's coming. Mm -hmm. uh, so having prep tables, um, that's a big thing. Getting people to just keep the clutter to a minimum. So if they have bags, putting them under the tables, boxes under the tables, out of the way, uh, books, they're going to get mixed up. So I always bring, I try to always bring sticky notes. Mm -hmm. So people can put their names in their books. Yeah, because if everyone, like we were all playing Tau, we each had our own Tau codex. Yeah, so everyone brings a rule book. They mm -hmm. all look exactly the same at the end of the day. Oh, where's my rule book? Is that mine? Is that mine? Well, if you have your name in it, yeah, yeah. it's a sticky note, so it's not doing any damage to it. Yeah. Like it's still a collectible item or whatever, mm -hmm. but it's easily identifiable. Um, what was the other? Oh, bringing cue cards. Very handy because yep. there's... Uh, I mean, if you have a set of the strategic asset cards, which we'll get to later, uh, that can be handy. But just giving cue cards because there's lots of rules that people don't know about or they might want to write reminders down and yep. put them next to like a unit. Like, just cue cards in general, but especially for APOC. Like I know whenever yeah. I play Dark Eldar, I always keep a cue card on me with like all the rules I need to remember. Yeah. 
having a whiteboard and all, or you could write a down like your psychic good, yeah. powers. Yeah. Like you say, you're running a library's conclave, you can just quickly jot down everything. Mm-hmm. So stack of those, some pens and uh, sticky notes is good. Um, different looking dice, like unique looking dice instead of just white, black and mm-hmm. white dice. So that at the end of the day, when you're looking for your dice, you know which ones are yours. Yeah, everyone tends to have like the same or different dice, but yeah, the, this but was, I know what you mean. Like, I think we're going to talk about this later, but I'll just throw this in here mm-hmm. now. Hot tip: if it's not if it's not hot outside, wear a hoodie and put your dice in the pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I always do. That's what uh, I think it was Dom who first showed me that, mm-hmm. and it's brilliant because you always have dice on you, and you're not losing them on the as table. As soon as you roll them, put them back in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. That's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, try and keep like your measuring tape on your belt so it doesn't get lost. Especially if you're playing a large apocalypse game with a massive table. Ooh, I yeah. left my tape measure on the other side of the battle. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, well, you've organized a fair amount of these. Mm-hmm. There must be rules questions when you're playing. I know in our game, you kind of did a little bit of quote-unquote uh, GMing yeah. during the game. But how do you GM while you're playing? That must take you out of the game a little bit. Um yeah, so with APOC, there's more rules. So having someone there who's dedicated to uh, running, to answering rules questions is big. If I, this actually was the only time I've done it. I've had an extra player running mm-hmm. the game who would like, he actually owned the rule book. Uh, so that can be hand, helpful. Having a player um, as a timekeeper Mm-hmm. Even if you don't have a GM, just have uh, someone keeping time. A good way to do this, I found, is have a timekeeper on each team. So mm-hmm. when it's not your turn, you're keeping time and yep. shouting out for the other team. Mm-hmm. Same thing for answering rules questions. Um, that's a good way of GMing. Uh, in the Epoch book, again, there's a title called, I believe it's the Master Disaster, <laughs> who is the GM yeah. running. I like that title. <laughs> yeah, just running different things. So sometimes there's big environmental effects where, like, there's a, a psychic warp storm yeah. happening, and that requires extra rules and someone to run it, or uh, an exterminatus where the planet's getting bombarded from orbit. Mm-hmm. That's stuff that needs to be... Not necessarily needs to be, but that's where it can be handy to have a GM there watching over stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you have units spread across the table, having a GM who's well-versed in various codexes there to witness dice rolls and roll saves on behalf of a player who's... That That came into our game a fair amount when you were sticking around. was like, hey, this guy's busy over here. This is what I'm rolling right now. Okay, there it is. Can we put those dice beside his guys yeah, when he's free? Like, get him to roll it. Um, I can't remember his name. The guy Jim playing. was doing it a yeah, lot. Yeah, so I, Jim was getting slammed, and I would like watch him and say, like, okay, now, Jim, come over here. Here's your saves for this. I witnessed it. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. That can be definitely handy. Um, if the players are experienced and on the ball, it might not. it's not necessary, but in a bigger game, it becomes more necessary. Mm-hmm. And there's, we'll talk about house rules a little later, I think, but there, there's one or two things you can do also to mitigate that. So, but, um, that's a big thing for running a GM. I say the biggest thing is to keeping time yeah. and yell, you know, five minutes left in your shooting phase, wrap it up. Yeah. Um, that is super helpful and definitely something that if you're organizing game, maybe think about, I don't, do I need to play in it? Yeah. 
or just like bring a small force to if teams are a little unbalanced just bring like 500 to a thousand points and yeah. that's all you're running yeah so you can focus more on everything else that's going on yeah so if you bring a death star and a land raider and that's all you're running well that isn't going to take very long to move and shoot and yeah. assault so just run that and then the rest of the time you're floating around like in the last game i was running i actually most of my army was in deep strike reserve for about half the game yeah i really enjoyed just kind of floating around mm-hmm. helping people out helping move the green tide helping yeah. witness some wound rolls on a unit where someone else was occupied across mm-hmm. the table. and obviously if that's not your thing then maybe maybe you don't want to organize one maybe yeah, you just enjoy sure. playing in them yeah, right i think that, it takes a special breed of person to want to organize yeah an event of this type well i'm the kind of sick fuck who enjoys going to meetings like <laughs> taking notes and stuff so yeah. that's uh it's kind of in my blood unfortunately cool uh did you have anything else you want to add about organizing an apoc game um i think that's a oh did i mention a whiteboard yeah well okay. you mentioned it but maybe why you would bring a whiteboard so having a whiteboard is for keeping track of points mm-hmm. is a big thing so it doesn't have to be like a giant whiteboard, just a small handheld one so you can write down points. Because the points change. You can like spend point victory points on stuff. Mm-hmm. So keeping a running tally and being able to erase points people have got is very helpful. So that's the last thing I would recommend people bringing in terms of like organizational tools. Mm-hmm. So. Very cool. Um, so let's move on. I want to talk first about how is an APOC game... Aside from points, how's it different from a regular game of 40k? How does it play differently? It's a mindset, I think, is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll refer to another podcast because it's, well, it's my favorite podcast, but the independent characters around episode 80, 85 or something mm-hmm. did a huge episode on Apocalypse where they dug really deep into the rules and they had a guy with much more experience than me on talking about it. And the way he said it is like, you're not the space marine captain on the battlefield mm-hmm. directing attack squad here a rhino there you're the lord commander general up in orbit mm-hmm. watching the holographic display and moving units around mm-hmm. and that's kind of how you I have love to, that that's awesome yeah but the, and this guy just and this guy would play like tens of thousands of points per player yeah games and he would because he was able to focus on that stuff, he would leave half his army behind and just take like 20,000 points and go and defeat a force twice that size because mm-hmm. he was so focused. Yeah. And that's kind of how you have to be. You have to look at the big picture in Apocalypse. So less about, oh, these scourges are kind of come down here and drop some haywire on that land raider it's yeah. like no what needs to happen on this flank yeah yeah and that happens to an extent in regular 40K. it's all the mini battles within the big battle that needs to happen not just the individual units but yeah, this army strokes. this side or this army versus this army or something yeah. like that and i think formations in apocalypse kind of deal with that a little better where you might have some sort of strike force that's made up of four land raiders and three predators mm-hmm. and you know, attack squad on each land raider. And you have to think about that. That's not your whole army. That's just a part of it. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, holding the center or rushing down a flank to take yeah. an objective. Mm-hmm. And you have to think of that as not seven or eight units, but one cohesive force that's force acting together. All doing the same thing. I think we, so many people 
especially me, I didn't even think about this. What you're talking about going into this apocalypse game was that like you're so used to playing small point games, small yeah. regular point games that like every unit counts. Yeah. Right. Whereas in an APOC game, if one unit dies, you have eight more units beside it that are still yeah. part of that unit, basically that's doing its thing. Yeah, and it's it's hard to think about it at a 3,000 points. Because at 3,000 points, you know, if you're throwing in a super heavy and a Death Star, mm-hmm. it's not that many more models than a regular 1850-point game. Mm-hmm. It might even be less. So it's when you get at the much higher points limits yeah. that you you start thinking about that. Or when you start, if you're playing a team game and you think cohesively as a team... And I highly recommend appointing, if you're playing a team game, to appoint a member as a team captain. Mm -hmm. And this doesn't necessarily mean that they have more decision-making power, but they are the person you go to when you need to address an issue on the team or remind them. Yeah, I need help over here. Go to him. Or if you're on the other team and say, like, what's happening with this? Can you tell me? Go, you know, gather up your team. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, have you guys... Because, okay, so in Apocalypse, the way deployment usually works is you bid time. And if you only bid five minutes and the other team bids 20 minutes, the five minutes deploy first. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if a bunch of people are, like, unloading their armies or, like, quickly flipping through the book trying to look up a rule or something, the team might not cohesively mm-hmm. be trying be thinking about how much deployment time. So if you're an organizer, it's super helpful to turn to the captain and say, hey, what's happening here? What's the time? And if you are an organizer and playing, you shouldn't be a captain. Mm -hmm. There should be two other players as your captains. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that I've done in the past, too, is if there's there's, uh, team decisions that need to be made and um, it's an even number of players, the captain has a tie-breaking vote. That makes sense. Yeah, and usually... Usually the way I do it is if it's in a campaign, the captain is the person who's, like, won the most games or something on mm-hmm. their team. So you give them a little reward. Oh, during the campaign or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. That so, makes yeah. sense. And, I mean, it, they don't have very—they don't really have any more power than anyone else. I mean, if they want to be a dick and just, like, <laughs> be a tyrannical <laughs> team captain, that's up to them. But, yeah. But just having—just the act of nominating someone's team captain gives the game— more coherency and more focus and people start thinking about it less as individuals and more of a team Mm -hmm. and they have someone to turn to and they have it and you know even if it's just whoever played the most games in the last campaign is team captain now even if they have no leadership experience or any qualifications that would make them a good team captain chances are they'll step up because it's like oh i'm the team captain now i gotta be on my game Mm -hmm. and so it's de- that's definitely something I recommend. And, All right. Yeah. So we're talking about like team captains and decision making. Are there multiple different scenarios to play in APOC? Or is there just like one scenario that you play? Is it a lot like regular 40K? You can play uh, Maelstrom type missions. You can play... Uh, uh, there's no Maelstrom. Yeah. Um, there are... I think there's also six missions in APOC. Mm-hmm. And they have different deployment types. Like one deployment, it's... You only start 12 inches from the enemy or something, or wow. 6 inches, yeah. I don't recommend rolling for them the day of the game or yeah. something. Planning out the scenario ahead of time is important. 
most apocalypse games use strategic objectives, which is you put six objectives on the board, two in each deployment zone, and then two in no man's land. Mm -hmm. And then you score those at the breaks and they're progressively worth more points. Uh, I've run it with more than six. Um, one game, I had 12 players with three teams. Mm -hmm. So four players a team, and we ran 18 objectives. Wow. And it was like a big T table. So mm -hmm. like on each arm of the T, there were six objectives on that mm -hmm. side. So uh, that that's probably the... But I think all the missions in the book, I haven't like read through them cover to cover. I kind of just stick with the most basic one and just yeah. add my own narrative flair to mm -hmm. it, which is fairly easy to do. But I think most of them are a variation on that objective theme. Yeah, so you but, think that adding maybe a narrative scenario is better for... Yeah, so narrative objectives or like extra strategic assets that make sense. So one game I ran at the end of a campaign, each of the like bad guy generals had like a super powerful void grenade mm -hmm. and i made special templates for that and where the imperials could drop could in initiate an exterminatus mm -hmm. which well i mean all those are super powerful one is more like you know you get to target where that void grenade goes and yeah it's going to scatter around probably kill more of your stuff than the enemy but mm -hmm. like at least initially it's doing a lot of damage at whatever you're throwing it at hopefully yeah, yeah. uh and then the externos is much more indiscriminate mm -hmm. but yeah also and i'll mention this now before i forget again having um scenario specific terrain or objective markers or some sort of like templates mm -hmm. really adds a lot to the game and like your players I, like i find it gets everyone more like involved it. it creates more of a a narrative to yeah. the game so one thing I've done twice now for campaign finales is have special campaign characters. Mm -hmm. So uh, generally I would make the player who won the most games, the general, and then the player who played the most games would get to control this character and I'd give them a fully, I wouldn't, they wouldn't get to keep it, but they would get to use a fully painted miniature that I'd painted up with mm -hmm. rules I'd written. Each team would have one. And it would always be a different player. So if the captain had been the one who played the most games, then the person played the second most, etc. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that adds some narrative. It's like, this guy's on the table. Oh, and you know what? Let's make him worth a victory point. And you don't give him points values because everyone has them. You just try and make them equal. So little narrative flares like that, little extra models or objective markers or terrain. Like I built that Imperial Fortress for an APOC game. Mm -hmm. Like that's all stuff that brings out so much to the game and adds so much to it and it will be something your players will remember mm -hmm. and the fact that like you're playing on such a large table table in that game specifically yeah it's hard to fill up a whole table like that with terrain however with that fortress that you had there and then you had a fair amount of open space yeah it made it really feel like they had to that's how you would set up a fortress yeah is with all this open space so the enemy has to run towards you right mm -hmm. um it works yeah the uh, one one thing I would say that I don't like about Apocalypse is the armies tend to be a lot of gray plastic because yeah. people have to bring, to get up to that points. A lot of people don't have fully painted f forces in the 3,000 plus level. Yeah. So we're an otherwise amazing game. It's kind of like, oh, yeah, this would be good, but I had my shadow swords not even half painted. Like, yeah. This is kind of shitty or like oh, yeah, I had to bring all these models out that just, I've primed them black, and that's, like, half my army. Mm -hmm. So there's 
any way you can give enough lead time so people get their shit painted or give a bonus for painted models, it helps the game look so much better. But that's, that's yeah, a, any game fully painted. Lot. But yeah, when you have games that large, it's hard to get it's, everyone it's to have fully painted. It's a lot to ask, yeah. but it adds Especially so much. if you've yeah, if you've gathered an army of that size, you probably have a little bit of a buying problem. I know that we all do probably but like you just tend to buy more than you it's like oh i haven't finished these 10 units that i have okay yeah. but I, I really want this new storm surge or something like you, that you've right you've a lot of hobby debt yeah someone <laughs> exactly exactly the other day yeah um okay well why don't we start talking about like specific uh special rules in apocalypse that like uh, a player that may never have played an apocalypse game can expect to see sure so uh, the first thing are APOC formations. Anyone who plays 7th edition 40k knows what a formation is. Yep. This is where they came from. They used to only be Apocalypse. And you, well, there's a few other stuff that it, uh, uh, there's a few other, there's a few other things there. People were able to bring formation. But anyway, this was one of the first ones. So you could bring, actually, okay, perfect example. Are the most recent Space Marine Codex, you can bring three Vindicators mm-hmm. and they get to drop a 10-inch template. That was an Apocalypse Formation originally. originally. That yeah. was an Apocalypse Formation. So... And now it's just a thing. Yeah. It's not even a formation now. It's no, just it's a, a you, unit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so bringing big formations and some of these formations are... I was going to say some of them are crazy. Like a whole battle company in Space Marines but mm-hmm. that's just a normal thing in 40k yeah. now. <laughs> so uh, D-weapons used to be pretty much Apocalypse only. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, they used to only be Apocalypse. That obviously has also changed. Yeah, just big, super powerful stuff, which now is It's, it's just the norm, the power yeah. creep, yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I'll mention now is that I've had people argue to me that you can bring Apocalypse formations in regular 40K, mm-hmm. which to them I said flat out like no you can't no it's, it's there's a difference I, I, well i think the reason is is because we've seen uh f- apocalypse formations verbatim reprinted in 40k codexes i mm-hmm. think the specific one is a legion of the dam formation that's now in their digital codex i'm pretty sure in the new faq that they're working on one of the questions is can i use an apocalypse formation in a regular game of 40k and the answer is no okay well if someone came that, up that's to, why when you said that to me before i was like no because oh, okay. i had specifically read that like that's a rule you're not allowed to use yeah. apoc formations outside yeah. of an apoc so, game anyway, but if someone rolled up to the table and said oh yeah i'm using this formation and they opened up the apocalypse book and showed me i'm like okay well on turn five i'm gonna trigger my finest hour and yeah say, if we're playing apoc that, rules and let's play APOC yeah, rules. But i'm not gonna you know by then i'm just being a dick anyways <laughs> but what is finest hour you ask so I do ask, what is Finest Hour, Ian? <laughs> finest Hour is my favorite part of the day. <laughs> um, every player has a warlord, just like in Standard 40K. And one of those warlords is the team's war master, mm-hmm. who's worth more points. You don't get Slay the Warlord, you get Slay the War Master. Mm-hmm. So individual warlords can die. But each player can trigger their Finest Hour, which makes your warlord nigh unkillable, gets internal warrior and a 3-plus invul save for... Mm-hmm a game turn or until the start of your next turn and you get to roll on one of three tables, which gives him like a crazy good ability. Yeah. Like strength and toughness 10. I think that's one of them. I always roll on the personal traits because all my generals are combat monsters, but there's mm-hmm. also like strategic stuff where they boost guys around them. Yeah. And this is crazy powerful stuff and they get to do 
move like triple their normal movement. Like it's it's awesome. Um, and that's sort of representing like this guy's a hero. This is Leader Custer's last stand. They're mm-hmm. charging into the enemy and stuff, and it's representing the rules, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that if you're GMing, you should remind your players about it. That they because I think in our game, I think only one person did it. Yeah. Now these seem like so finest hour. Your guy becomes like crazy, crazy good. There must be some downside to this. Everyone can do it. Well, like all your, the warlords can do it. Yeah. Right. But there yeah. must be some downside to. I. If you kill the warlord, it, does he not? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Right. Right. If you stop a finest at, yeah, you're just rolling your eyes at me. <laughs> yeah. If you stop a finest hour, that's like a secondary objective. You gain a victory point. So if you kill a warlord while they're on their finest hour, mm-hmm. that's pretty demoralizing. So you get an extra point for that. It's just one extra point for, for stopping them? I him? believe so. So yeah. normally killing a warlord is one point and then killing him during his finest hour gives no, you an no, additional one a war master oh so any warlord that has finest hour if you gives a point the finest hour by slaying the character that is during its finest hour that's mm-hmm. in point because there's oh, okay. supposed to be these super powerful and points guys. are important because that brings back super heavies and stuff like that yeah, too super right heavies so. are worth points when you kill them too mm-hmm. which i personally i think should be in a regular 40k yeah but that's beside the point yeah no i agree with you as well um, yeah. there's also divine intervention which is sort of like you're down on your luck and your patron deity steps in to save you. Okay, and there's cool. different conditions for each army. I don't think we use that at all in our uh yeah, in I, our game. Um generally it's something like half your guys have died. There's different conditions for each race and each one is a different deity. So like mm-hmm. for Imperials, the god emperor, then there's the chaos gods. There's the greater good for Tau, which mm-hmm. isn't so much a deity but kind of a I don't know, a collective a belief. belief. Yeah. yeah. Gork and Mork for orcs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like Catan star gods or something for the Necrons. I don't remember exactly. And there's all these things that trigger. Um, unfortunately for space rains or Imperials, it is furious charge and fearless. Hence why I never use it. Cause blood angels already have furious charge yeah, yeah. and, and they show no, no fear. Mm-hmm. So fearless is whatever. And take it I guess it. at that point, formations weren't a big thing. So they hadn't really separated and this, this blood is angels all, so much well, from like also, I feel like now if there was a if they did revise it blood angels would have their own maybe it's it's also this was before the blood angels codex where you got furious charge across the board oh, okay so anyways divine intervention is something I've never used mm-hmm. uh, similarly there's also for each uh, space marine legion slash successor chapters there's an individual finest hour oh, so that's right I remember seeing that chart, if you're yeah. playing. Black Templars, you could use Rogel Dorn's Finest Hour. Mm-hmm. So I play Blood Angel Successor, so I can use Sanguinuses, which it makes my Warlord a flying monstrous creature. That's sick. It is, except... Now you can't know, join a unit. <laughs> well, he can, because he's still an independent character. Okay, regardless yeah, of regardless, how sorry. this works. Yeah. Um, mo- usually I'm running a Warlord with a jump pack already, so he's mobile. Mm-hmm. And I, he usually has AP2 weapons already. So those are the big two things that you'd use. Yeah. You can't fly him very far because then you're up in the air and it takes like seven turns for him land on the ground, charging in combat. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it sounds really cool and thinking like, oh my God, he just sprouted these glowing angel wings and is flying about the battlefield. But like in, in when you actually look at the rules, it's like, okay, take it or leave it. But if he was flying, would he be able to attack a flier without yeah, having to snap fire or anything like that? Uh, 
Yeah, actually, that's true. If he goes it's not up a bad reason to be able to do it. Jump up in the air, take down a flyer, come back down with a bolt pistol. Yeah. You can also vector strike, yeah, mind you, yeah. at strength four. Yeah. But <laughs> anyways, but like the personal traits are where it's at. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are the big, um, those are the big rule changes out of the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a bunch of different formation types. So like a psychic choir has its own rules, a high command formation. Once you take like, uh, there's one I've wanted to run. That's a chapter master and four to nine captains mm-hmm. for space Marines. And that a high command gives you a bunch of other bonuses. And there's a, there's like a list of these like tank formations, for example, tank armor spearheads, I think they're called. Mm-hmm. So the formations are all broken up and they have their special rules. In addition to the special rules for that individual formation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Talking about special rules, you you touched on it before, but there were like environmental rules as well, right? Yeah, so it's, uh, the name's escaping me, but it's uh, something the GM or Master of Disaster might run, so uh, Exterminatus being a big one. Um, Are there rules for like different types of planets, like ice planets and stuff like that, that might affect the, the game? There, I don't know if it's in the core rulebook, but they, GW's released a lot of war zone specific ones i know in those they do have okay. environmental rules for like ice worlds or something or mm-hmm. maybe city worlds whatever that world happens to be where that war zone takes place in the core rulebook i'll add is they have the armageddon war zone and stuff for like the third war with orcs and black templars and blood angels and stuff mm-hmm. so though if you're looking for strategic asset those wars of assets those war zones have their own individual assets so you can just use those on yeah, yeah. And maybe i should talk about strategic assets i yeah. don't think i'm really i don't think you mentioned them no so uh in a, in a typical apoc game each player has at least one strategic asset each team has an equal number so if a team has less players they might get it this is a great thing to do for a campaign like in the last in the previous phase of the campaign for the apoc game the winner could get an extra excuse me strategic asset stuff like that uh, they tend to be quite powerful. There's a list of generic ones, and then there's individual lists for each race of Dark mm-hmm. Eldar, Space Marines, Imperial Guard. They're all quite powerful. One that comes up a lot is a blind barrage, where you put two markers down 36 inches apart and scatter them, and you draw a line between those markers, and that's essentially a smoke screen that blocks line of sight. Yeah, it happened in our game and completely screwed the team that tried to use it. Oh, they, like, dropped it on themselves, pretty much? No, they landed it thinking that we wouldn't be able to shoot at them, but we were playing Tau, so we just smart-missled over top of them, and then it lasts until your next turn. Yeah. So then they couldn't So they couldn't shoot at us. We could still shoot at them. Smart missiles don't require line of sight. No, they're homing. Mm. So they just blocked themselves off, couldn't shoot at any... They, basically, we had two turns where they couldn't shoot at our super heavies because yeah. we blocked them off the first turn. Yeah, and then they blocked the them off. Uh, it was shield generator, I think, yeah. which is that you, so long as model is like toe in, or I think it's so long as half the model, majority of the model is inside like six inches of the token. Yeah. You can't even target the model. Yeah. So we put both of our storm surges together and, and then that. dropped it right in between. So they couldn't fire at it. Yeah. And then they landed a smoke barrage thinking we wouldn't be able to shoot at them. Cool. Everything else will fire. You still can't shoot at our storm surges. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's important then because these strategic assets can be game changing yeah and i had a few units that were past that but like you said you place two markers and you scatter them it scattered in front of my units that were out in the front so everything was basically just protected by it so um there's like vortex grenade stuff there's um 
stuff that there's one that gives a space marine plus two to strength and there's attacks. also individual faction ones like each faction yeah. has their yeah, own yeah, yeah, specific yeah. ones we had one for tau which is like for the greater good um which when you do when you, you do it at the start of the enemy's uh shooting phase i think or either the start of the enemy's turn or the start of their shooting phase and they can only target the closest tau faction oh, unit yeah so basically our strategy was we dropped in i dropped in a bunch of single crisis suits yeah. with like shield generators and I dropped them all in close by with like fusion blasters, just sacrifice, try and take out a tank. Mm-hmm. We busted that one out. They could only shoot at the crisis suits. Yeah. And then I also put like a shadow sun with like crisis suits, stealth shrouded, two plus cover save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that right in the center. They all have to shoot at them as well. They basically got wiped out, but they ate so much fire. They're super heavy. Only could shoot at that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. These are they're game changing. Yeah. One I like to use. I don't remember what it's called, but it's from Warzone Armageddon, Blood Angel specific mm-hmm. that allows my units to assault out of a deep strike. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. So you know, coming strike, down, deep strike my entire army. first turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you can't use it first. Oh, turn. you can't so use it first. Some turn. of the strategic assets are strategic resources, and what that means, you have to burn a point, mm-hmm. like spend one of your victory points. So you need to have gained a victory point, which technically typically is after your first turn. You might have slayed a super heavy... Generally, I always put the first break after the first turn because it takes so long to set up and play that first turn because everything's yeah. still alive. So that's when you score your first points. Then I'll burn one, drop in, usually, my entire army, and, okay, now I'm deep striking with Assault Marines, Sanguinary Guard, mm-hmm. Dreadnoughts coming out, draw pods, Teleporting Terminators, all this fun stuff. Yeah. And it can be devastating, but... You know, if I'm playing two on two, I just fucked my partner because my whole army was in reserve and he was two he just on eight one. shots the first. And that's basically what happened in our game. I just ate so much being the sacrificial lamb for the greater good. Yeah. But it works. Sometimes um, the player has to be that. Now, talking about like burning points, um, we know that you can burn a point to bring back like a super heavy. You yeah. can burn a point for these assets. Is there any other way you can burn points or is that basically it? Uh, I th- think that's it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So. Some strategic assets let you bring back. Uh, you have to burn points to use them. You can burn a point to bring back. I don't remember if it's one model or one unit. It can't be too big. I think the maximum is like 15 hull points or wounds. Mm-hmm. So you can't bring back a Warlord Titan this way. But you could bring back a Bane Blade, for yeah. example. Yeah. And that costs a victory point to do. And you can do it once per turn. So usually... When I'm playing, I encourage my team like, we to burn those bring points. Yeah. We yeah. need that D weapon back on the table mm-hmm. now. So bring back that Titan, bring back that Shadow Sword or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, There is a strategic resource card that allows you to bring back an entire formation. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. A large I think titan. we took that one as well, just yeah. in case our like Riptide wing. Yeah. So it's, it's something to. Just, just be aware when you're playing that, that that there is a difference between those two, and don't if you're not planning on bringing back a full formation, take a different asset. asset yeah, because you only get so many of them. Yeah, exactly, and they're so good. You could say you have to be strategic about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm oh, an yeah, idiot. There also, <laughs> last thing I'll mention: there's one that allows Eldar to win the game on a two plus. Not win the game. No, that's what it is. is it, win the oh, game. If, it, if it's a draw. If it's a draw, you want a two plus. On a two plus. Yeah. You win the game. As if Eldar weren't broken enough. Yeah. Mind Bring you, on then, the hate. Mind um, you, that's another asset you have to use in case you 
win the game. And there's a lot of points because you're scoring like 6, 12, 18 points. It's all on the board. So mm-hmm. plus secondary objectives. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, go on to like maybe some tips and what to expect if it's your first time going to an APOC game. So like obviously these are like the size of these games are a lot longer. How long can you expect one to last if it's your first time going? How long the game lasts generally depends on how well organized it is. Mm-hmm. So my first real experience with APOC was when I was going to my buddy's place and we were playing two on two on his like eight by six table. Yeah. And that would last afternoon, evening, good amount of time. Like, you know, we take a break for dinner, be at home by like 10 or midnight or something. We yeah. get there around four. So we're, we're talking six hours at least. Um, generally all day. Uh, I always tell my players like, you need to be here at this time. Store opens at 10, be here at 10. We're deploying at 1030, yeah. you know, set up, like have all this shit scheduled and have people there and ready to play early. Mm-hmm. It's stamina. It's a long game. You're on your feet for a long time. You know, wear comfortable clothing, comfortable shoes. Uh, talk to the organizer, like figure out what's happening with lunch, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Where is the event taking place? If you if they're not providing lunch, can you go somewhere for lunch? You know, their bathrooms. Yeah. How long are you going to have for lunch? A lot of stuff like that is a big thing. You don't thing. want to be that guy that's like, okay, it's lunch break. I'll go for lunch. And then you get back late. Yeah, You're the exactly. only guy that gets yeah, back yeah. late. So do you need to bring a lunch? Um, stuff like that. Is it drink? Is there drinking there? Do you need to be over 19 to mm-hmm. play? Like these can be things to think about. Are you having minors at your house and serving alcohol? Is that going to be a liability issue? Mm-hmm. That might sound nerdy or like, but it could be, but it, right. you know, that's something you need to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go into the first ABOC game, Sometimes the game right in 40k right now is so unbalanced sometimes that you're going to just get crushed. Yeah. All the games I've played when you looked at the final score, it was a landslide in one direction. Actually, I've always lost by landslide. <laughs> I don't think I've ever won an apocalypse game. Mm-hmm. And it's still my favorite way to play. So um yeah, try and keep track of all your stuff. The apocalypse is it's when things go missing, when tight dice, tape measures, psychic power cards. Mm-hmm. Try and keep all that stuff organized. Like, put well, it back I was just going to say, bag. you said it all depends on how well organized the game is. I think it also depends on how well organized you are. Do yeah, you have yeah. your rules? Do you have, if you have formations and lots of rules, do you have those on your cheat sheets and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, do you have a big stack of books that's taking up a big space? No, yeah. condense that down, you know, print something off that has all your rules on one piece of paper that you can fold up and put in your pocket yeah. or something like that. Right. Well, I keep for my shadow sword, I own the Imperial Guard Codex. I just have a print off of the rules that I keep in the box with mm-hmm. it. Um, if you're organizing game is not even just your first game, assume something's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. So I've had players drop out at the last minute or people show up with not enough points or teams being unbalanced or, just like crazy stuff. So now I tell people, okay, it's going to be 4,000 points, but you know, bring an extra 500 to a thousand just in case quickly rebalance teams. Yeah. Uh, knowing, knowing who is coming. Like, I, I don't know if I personally, actually, I shouldn't say that cause I've done this. I, I try not to now 
organize open invite apocalypse games where people I don't know very well or I've never even met. Yeah. I'm relying on them to show because it's a massive commitment. You're yeah. organizing this weeks in advance. It's going to take up an all day. You've had to negotiate sometimes with third parties for the space. In some cases, people have spent money to be there. Mm-hmm. Taking time off. Yeah, it's it's a big... I mean, yeah, it's just a game. For it to get it's canceled a, or... It's a big game that yeah. people have made a, sometimes a substantial commitment to. So that's not something you want to necessarily leave to chance. So if you can, know that the... Make sure your players are reliable. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, when you were organizing your game at the store... There's one or two players who arrived late. No, not my game. I was assisting Jordan in organizing it. Okay, well, I walked in the store. I want to give credit where credit's due. Okay, Jordan was organizing the game, and apparently I was because I walked in the store and was told I was organizing it by staff. (laughs) Well, you're Mr. Apoc. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyways, but like, you know, there was one or two players who, up to the 11th hour, we didn't know they were showing up. Yeah, yeah. And that's something you need to be ready for yeah exactly for something to go wrong Mm -hmm. yeah our game was four on three and points wise someone on the four person side had a lot of extra points so one of the character one of the people on the four person side was gonna be a swing team yes like the imperial guard players yeah if one of our tau players backed out yeah i think i even brought my four army in case just in case just in case you need to throw points on the board Mm -hmm. so that's definitely something to think about um yeah just try. i think the number one thing is just have fun it's an apoc game it's not yeah, a tournament it's not competitive it's not a tournament mm-hmm. just go there with an open mind try and get a feel for your organizer whoever's organizing it if they don't seem like they're on the ball or they're really wishy-washy just you know be a reliable player show up on time and mm-hmm. all that shit and be ready to play but you know, maybe bring a book or something that's going to be super long. Yeah. And just you're sitting around mm-hmm. doing a lot or bring something to paint. Just if you if you don't trust your organizer, do a good job. And, you know, then next time don't sign up for their game. Yeah. Or make your own. Yeah. Or run your own game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Better than them. Show them up. Yeah. Cool, so, man. Let's close this bitch up. Give me some highlights. Some of the best highlights you have from some of your APOC games. And I want your final impressions on the APAC format. Okay. Uh, coring a stompa with one shadow sword shot just doing 12 hall points and getting through his <laughs> involve save nice twice doing that twice oh yeah they brought yeah. it back you did it again yeah and i think that was the same game too nice <laughs> uh i need to paint three titan kill markings on my shadow sword and all of those have been one oh, shot i love that yeah, yeah that's awesome um oh deep striking unit terminators and taking down a Eldar Titan mm-hmm. in close combat was also good. Uh, yeah, those are big things. You had the last game. Oh. Yeah, the last game that you had, um, I believe you had something with Horus going oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we two, uh, I was going to say fantasy players, Horus Heresy players running uh, Luna Wolves and Imperial Fists. And the Luna Wolves player basically threw out a challenge against the Orc players and. Horus and a bunch of Terminators took on two green ties. <laughs> the fight lasted the entire battle, and only Horus was left standing. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's so apocalypse. Yeah. That's uh, the new saying, man. That's so apocalypse. Yeah. I, I think my favorite thing, and I've never really successfully done it where it swung the game in my favor, but 
deep striking my entire army and assaulting out of deep strike is probably my favorite Mm -hmm. thing in apocalypse right on man do do you have any favorite highlights from your game the one game that i played yeah um yeah our game was i felt like it was so one-sided um i don't know how many games end on turn two in apoc you were telling me a fair amount of them do I've, I've had games where pretty early on, it's like, okay, I don't think we're coming back. Yeah, the, the other team tapped out turn two. We had only yeah. gotten like maybe three hours into the game. Yeah. They're two and a half, three hours in. And uh, I I really enjoyed the strategic side of it. Just being like, like we planned ahead of time. These are strategic assets we're going to use. Yeah. We're going to work them this way. And the plan just fell into place perfectly. And I really did get that like Lord Commander over top watching this battle plan yeah my army was the sacrificial lamb but my mm-hmm. game plan came to life and the, yeah, yeah. the shield generator worked and the greater good asset worked and everything and then they ended up throwing down a, a blocking line that just helped us and helped us even more yeah. and it was just like watching the whole battle unfold mm-hmm. and i was set up in the center of the battle so i was able to kind of watch everything happen yeah um with that said i mean i've only played one apoc game and it wasn't everything that i maybe i hyped it up too much Mm -hmm. i wasn't i left with a bit of a bad taste in my mouth because i was like well that was kind of one-sided and i thought we were gonna get crushed to start off maybe everybody that was playing a lot of them it was their first time playing yeah maybe i need to play another apoc game with people that are more experienced in the format also with your game first of all yes definitely a lot of people a lot of the players i talked to that was their first or maybe second apoc game Mm mm-hmm also, the Tau players were working as a team where the Imperial players weren't. Yeah. Like, you guys knew your game plan ahead of time. You had most of your assets already picked out where a lot of the Imperial players kind of showed up day of. Yeah, I know that that um, Blind Barrage that was landed, there was no communication there. The player that yeah. picked Blind Barrage was just like, okay, I'm throwing Blind Barrage down. And he threw it down in front of another player's army that was charging forward yeah. well it blocks line of sight so now that player charged forward and can't even assault because oh, he can't Jesus. see them yeah right and so he got so pissed at his own player because it's like you didn't even tell us you were doing it you just threw it down yeah. and screwed me over completely and the guy was like yeah but i wanted to use it it's like yeah but we got to work as a team man if we're gonna win this thing yeah. and that ended up completely making them tap out right yeah yeah um i do want to play it again though it i love the idea of like a massive massive game i think mm-hmm. i just have to play it with like not just Tau versus Imperium. I want to play yeah. a massive game. Lots of, I love the idea of like green tides running across the table. Yeah. I'll have to come down for a good Windsor APOC game. Yeah. We should definitely organize one, make a weekend trip of it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see the new Brimstone store. Oh, uh, they move already? Yeah. Yeah. They moved. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So I want to see it too. I haven't seen pictures yet. I'm really excited. Cool, man. I might go down for that tournament, the aforementioned tournament. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Apocalypse, it's, it's, it's like organizing a tournament almost. I mean, I've never organized a tournament, but I assume it's similar. It's an event. Yeah. And you got to plan for it and you got to commit to it. But I think in my mind, it is how 40K should be played. Mm-hmm. Like you read in uh, Black Library books these epic battles with like thousands of guys and huge demons flying over and tanks rolling over mountains of skulls and Mm -hmm. stuff and when you're playing 1850 or 1500 points it's more like a chess match yeah it's like a skirmish by comparison or like one little zoomed in part of that 
giant battlefield. When yeah. you're playing Apox, it's so much more than Apoc. It is so much more than that. So mm-hmm. it's my favorite way. And don't be discouraged if you your first one's just like a wash. Uh, the first big game I organized as a campaign finale, the three-way game, the orc players had nigh killable stompas, and we quit after I think the third turn. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we quit by like four in the afternoon. We we're supposed to go till seven at least. Yeah. So these things happen. Mm-hmm. But guess what? All those players came to my next one, and my next one, and my next one. Like yeah. they all participate in my future campaigns. Yeah. So people get that, like. You know, sometimes this shit just doesn't work out. Doesn't work out. Yeah. They understand you're mm-hmm. human, so just you got to keep working at it, and people get more experience, and it'll get better. Right on, man. Okay, cool. Uh, I think that's about it for APOC. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right. So we join you beyond the rim, mm-hmm. past the edge of the galaxy. We're Get only, out of here, Imperium. We're only the Tyranids are. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else. Maybe Just, a little bit of Star Wars. A little mm, bit of video games. Yeah, okay. Maybe some Age of Sigmar. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff other than the Empire and Tyranids. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Anyways. Jay, uh, we played... You had your first role-playing session mm-hmm. other than like grade 8 D&D starter set yeah, sort yeah. of thing. So, uh, yeah, we I ran Edge of the Empire starter game. You played both sessions I ran. Yep. So Same mission, but a little yeah. different each time. Yeah. So what were your impressions of the game system and playing role-playing games mm-hmm. in general? Well, I had uh, a bit of an understanding of how the game works. I had read a little bit of the rule book, and I've watched a few videos on people playing it just mm-hmm. to get an idea of, like, I understand that opening bar scene. Like, I knew that there were rafters up top and stuff like that, right? Right, right. Because I've seen how it's played. And I think that really helped because I didn't have to, like, like when I rolled the dice, I still had to like figure out how it all worked, but I understood like these dice countered these dice and stuff like that. I had just never done it myself. Yeah. Um, so the edge of the empire dice uses special symbols. It's not numbers and they all cancel. It's like storytelling dice. It's narrative dice. That's how it's referred Mm -hmm. to. Um, dude, I fucking love that game. Nice. Like I'm so pumped to play it more. I tried to go back and read the rule book. It's not something that I want to read the rule book in. I tried today to read a little bit of it and I'm just like, Ugh. like I read like a paragraph or two. I'm like, this is not like, I may, maybe I'm just not a GM. It's a game that I want to play more of and I'll learn more of as I play it. I. It's not a game you can read the book from start to finish yeah. and digest it. It's yeah. just too it did, much. And I tried to do it a few times before we played and I was just like, it doesn't make sense. And it's a game that you need someone who knows how to play it. And then they teach you, and it's yeah. it's easy to pick up, man, because you yeah. can do fucking whatever you want, right? Um, yeah, man, I'm so pumped to make my own character. Same thing. I tried to make my own character today, and I started, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I just need Ian to sit down with me yeah. and be like, okay, now we picked this. Now we picked this. Yeah. Now, And I'm like, okay, I want my character to do this, and then we work on it together. Yeah, and then yeah, once yeah. you show me, I'm going to be able to do it for any character afterwards, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, man, a lot of fun. And I don't want to come off like... Like, I'm boasting you too much, but dude, you are a fucking amazing GM. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I knew that you'd be a good GM, but I didn't know how good of a GM you were going to be. You're like getting up, like moving your hands, getting everyone involved. Like, man, it felt like we were playing a Star Wars movie. Yeah. There was this one time when we were coming into this um, kind of like spaceport uh, control room and uh, our team split up. So we had people at the front door and people mm-hmm. at the side door. And 
we came up to like talk to these guard droids and or no what had happened where there were people that had snuck around the side and they like unlocked the door and as the door unlocked you cut scenes to what the other people were doing i was like that's so perfect that's exactly how it would have happened in a movie like we don't just know what's going to happen to them what is going to happen to them we don't know what's on the you didn't even say what was on the other side of the door he's like and then the door opens and now we're going to these guys and everyone was like what like losing their mind man it was we were playing a a story and it was awesome um i can't wait to make my ex porn star character I, I've got ideas um, what I want to do for our first session. I've been listening to a lot of other GMing podcasts mm-hmm. and stuff. So I'm really excited to start it up. We're going to be starting our role-playing campaign sooner than later. So yeah, uh, it's going to be like we have nine players, so which is going to be a challenge for me to keep everyone engaged. As yeah, I'm not sure if everyone's going to show up every single time. but and No, but even if seven of nine show up, that's yeah. a huge Well, group. we even mentioned to you that like I think you only have to do large groups every so often. And you can definitely be like, okay, this is what's happening. The group has to split up. You guys today have to decide, at, like at the end of that session, you guys have to decide <gasps> oh, who's going here yeah, and yeah. who's going here. And then we're doing two smaller groups. And you guys aren't going to know what happened to both of you. Okay. When you said that idea, I thought you meant splitting up. Like one group goes to the side, one goes to the front. I didn't no, no. I mean like completely different sessions. sessions. Yeah, like you're okay. going down this tunnel. You're going down that tunnel. See you guys in in a month from now. That's cool. Right. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And that way you break up a larger group. Yeah. Yet we're still all the same crew. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I need to work out in terms of like mechanically handling a big crew like that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome. This is at this point I've GM'd enough and like started enough uh campaigns that i've got a good idea of how to do it yeah i mean i can see the problems that we run into certain players just kind of running away wanting to do certain things and it's like it's not happening man right um you kind of just need a roll with it like in our last session but it can just drag on it can drag on way too long let's just keep this mission going we only have a certain amount of time before we have to end this yeah but you kind of just got to roll it in mm-hmm. like how Jordan kept wanting to shoot that big gun. Yeah. It's like, okay, well it's going to be tough and you might get left behind and yeah. that's your choice. Sometimes you got to kind of just let players, let the story happen. Yeah. And they'll live and learn, I guess. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. look, is your, Hey, look, you can stand there and fire that big gun at the hut and you're too weak to hold it steady. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really difficult or you can get on the freighter that's about to take off. Yeah your choice like what would your character do yeah are they crazy and would stay behind maybe the next mission is rescuing you or something like exactly Mm -hmm. yeah and then in which case i guess you're sitting out um or you know it's i mean it's a challenge for me as a gm but this system so long as you like it i just don't want you to be frustrated by people oh no i I didn't wasn't getting frustrated by that that's i guess that's part of being a gm yeah and trust me the one of my players previously did stuff way out of the box. Like he was playing an Ewok. So that (laughs) made things really interesting. And at one point in the game, he had like a English to Ewok dictionary in front of him. They printed (laughs) off and was only communicating the other players in in Ewok. Ewok. Yeah. So none of us actually, I was playing at that point. None of us actually knew what he was trying to say. Like we didn't know his name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He kept I, just saying like, Lungy. that's good though. I like that. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. Um, one, the two groups that we played 
were slightly different and I really liked it in that the first group that we played, we did a lot of talking and this was everybody's first time. There was like maybe half of the group from the first time played in the second group. Yeah. Um, so things changed a little bit in the second time, but the first time we played, it was a lot of talking, a lot of like, man, we talked for like five minutes at least before we even did anything yeah. in the scenario. And then you gave me a tip at the end of that game being like, just do what you think your character would do. It's okay to talk to someone, but if you, if everyone's talking about doing this a certain way, but your character wouldn't do it like that, just do what your character would do. Yeah. So we started playing the second time around and I'm like, okay, my character is a stealthy character. I'm going to go hide in the corner here. Mm-hmm. You guys are talking about doing something. I'm going to go slip away. Maybe I'm yeah. going to find something. Maybe there's going to be an opportunity for me to do something while I'm away from everyone else. Cause I'm not going to be sitting in the big crowd. I'm a stealth character. Yeah. And that's something that my original role-playing group, we had to, that was like chains. We had a break because mm-hmm. we didn't want to play the game. We wanted to win the game. Yeah. So, you know, when you play like a smuggling job, oh, we, we're going to get 5,000 credits if we get the goods here, but we're going to get an extra 3,000 if we get it this quickly and another 2,000 we bring in this bounty at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, if one player tried to play with their motivations and their character and deviated from that and made it more difficult, everyone else would get pissed at them. Yeah. And that's not how you're supposed to play this game. Mm-hmm. It's not about winning or losing. It's about telling a story. Exactly. And it's about like playing your character the way that they would act. Mm-hmm. So that that's a hard mode to break out of, but that's when the game really becomes fun. Um, okay, so you asked me what were my first impressions. What were your impressions on playing with a brand new group of people? Not just new to the game, but like a new, you're used to playing with like the same, your same edge group. Well, I was impressed how quickly everyone picked up the rules. Mm -hmm. Most of our role-playing group also plays Warhammer, which is a very complex game. Mm -hmm. So I actually was, even knowing this, I was surprised how quickly everyone picked it up. So Mm -hmm. that was encouraging. Uh People seem to get excited, especially by the second session where we had some people, this was their second time through. Yeah. They, Trying different things. Yeah, they seem to pick it up. Um, not so much in the first section, session, but by the end of the second session, I don't know if you noticed this, but I was at, instead of me narrating what was You were asking people, I thought it was because you were really tired, you didn't want to think of anything. No, that was, no, that's because <laughs> I, that's how it should be played is yeah, the yeah. players creating the story just as much as the gm yeah yeah so that's why i was encouraging players to do that mm-hmm. like tell me what's happening mm-hmm. so which is very hard when you're just starting off in the game because it's like oh i don't know what what am i allowed how far am i allowed to take this yeah right but you, but you were very good like i remember it happened to me and i was like okay well i think this would happen and you're like okay i like that and i'll give you this as well because maybe I didn't go far enough. Oh, yeah, right? I was like, afraid to go too with far. And stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking, okay, maybe I'm getting a little too carried away with, with what I was doing. You were like, no, you're not getting carried away enough. Yeah, right? exactly. But I kind of like that too, where it's like the if the player is like, well, I think this should happen, and then let the GM to like push it even farther. If it ha- if someone's gonna take it a bit farther, it should be the GM taking it a bit farther. I don't think it should be the player. Yeah, it's look, it's fine. If the player takes it too far and the GM has to like you pull know, it back, pull them back a little bit, yeah. it's a problem when the player starts arguing, arguing with, the GM, with it, which yeah, yeah. I've had before, and mm-hmm. it's that's when you're you're, play, you're cool. playing against the game. You're not playing the narrative, like we said. Yeah, it, at that point, it's like okay, you're trying to win here. Like losing is part of the game. Yeah, having 
How someone. You, oh God, that second game we played, we couldn't make a success for the life of us, man. We were failing yeah. everything. Like getting the whole, having the whole party get knocked unconscious and waking up in a hut's uh, dungeon. Yeah, that's the next adventure. That's yeah. awesome. I want to, I want to run that. Yeah. I want to play in that. Mm-hmm. Like that's just part of it. I mean, in Edge of the Empire, you're a crew of fringers down on your luck. Yeah. Like, shit ain't going to go right. Yeah. So, it's part of it, and people need to be excited for that. Like, mm-hmm. you don't watch Firefly because they have the shiniest weapons and all the money in the world. You watch it because each day is scraping together a yeah, ch- yeah, chance at survival. Such a scummy area. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, I still need to see that Wookiee rip some arms off. Oh, God, <laughs> I want arms ripped off. <laughs> Uh, in the last session I GM with my other group, I um, cut off one of my players' arms. Yeah, you said it like with that, yeah. Super high crit. It was mm-hmm. awesome. That's pretty sweet, though. Fuck him. Fuck <laughs> him. <laughs> he doesn't listen. So. Uh, we also, like, that was with our gaming group, our gaming yeah. club that we have. Um, but we also played a little bit of Zombicide. Mm-hmm. And Zombicide's like a one to six player game. And I think we played with like eight people last time. I think so, yeah. I think tomorrow we're going to play it again. And we might only have seven people, but it's still higher than like the recommended um, recommended amount of players. Dose. Yeah. But I am working on like some home brood rules because we are playing a campaign as well. So like yep. your characters carry over, you can carry over weapons and stuff. We've yeah, mentioned, yeah. I've mentioned the rules before in previous episodes. Um, but now I'm working on like large format games. The main thing being, I think I'm going to limit the actions to six players to like mm. you have. So six players have three actions each to start off or let's say four actions each to start off. Right. So you have like 24 actions to start off yeah that's all you're allowed to use so if you have eight people playing if some asshole is like well i'm gonna use all my four actions i'm gonna use all my four actions you get someone that's just stuck in the back Mm -hmm. right and they don't get to do anything and then they die so it's gonna be a lot more talking a lot more we need to save these actions for this we need to save these actions oh this guy's good with a chainsaw we have people coming in he needs to go in there and use that chainsaw use his four full actions right so because that was the problem that we were having when we played last time was we just had way too many actions for the mission that we had. So we were just, zombies were coming and people yeah, were like, well, yeah. we're safe. We don't have to worry about it. Let's just hack down these zombies and get yeah. as many points as we can, right? I still want to create that danger factor. Yeah. And I find me and you played a mission, just the two of us. And it wasn't until like, we started losing. And I looked at it, I was like, oh shit, this is a hard mission for like six people. Yeah. We just don't have the actions to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all how many actions you have in that game. Right, right. So you can add more and more characters, just limit the amount of actions they have. I, I think one thing to keep in mind with that is set. It sounds like you're already doing a maximum at like three or four, whatever the character can do. Yeah. But I would say set a minimum for players. So some players like, Oh, it goes around the table and gets to them. It's like, well, how many actions do we have left? Zero. So every player has to have at least like one or two actions. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I was going to mm-hmm. say. So I'd say at least two, probably yeah. half your actions or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, even with the rules as written, you get player like you get a player who's like, oh well, I've got, I'm dual wielding automatic shotguns. I yeah. have this many dice. I should go deal with that horde yeah. first. And it's like, okay, that's nice. I get that. That's the right tactical decision. But I'm still in blue, and you're up in orange you're just already. Eating all these experience points, and yeah, I'm and getting fucked here left with behind. a pan. Yeah, yeah, I've got a pan. Yeah, I can can't move very well that's where the team aspect comes in and i'm like that first game that we played 
there were some people that were just like, if you take, I'm taking that experience. I'm taking this experience. I need the most kills. And yeah, it's like, steal kills it's like, cool. Much. We've already said that you can shoot each other. Yeah. So if you're being an asshole, I'm playing this narratively. You're that asshole in the group. Cool. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm either going to leave you behind or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Right. Cause I don't want you coming back. Cause if you're that type of person who knows when you are going to leave me behind. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Um, so I'm going to tell you, cause I don't think you're coming tomorrow. But, um, tell me the mission, and our listeners. Well, yeah, but it's not going to come out until after we play it because yeah, we're playing yeah. tomorrow. The mission that we're playing is like you've broken into like this apartment complex. Okay. And there's this one room. Like, so there are doors on the map, but you can't open and close the doors. There's this room at the end of the zombie. Uh, so after you all go, the zombies move and then you spawn more zombies. After you spawn the zombies, you roll 3d6. Okay. If you get doubles, on the tiles of the numbers that you've rolled double, so let's say you rolled two twos. Yeah. The doors flip on oh. the two twos, so then they open. Yeah. Until someone gets to the, like, um, it's like the electrical room, kind of, or like the mainframe room, then they can use an action to change whatever doors they want. Oh, okay. Right? And then you can, yeah, once you get to the mainframe room, the doors stop randomly doing it, and they do it. But then if you roll triples, then an abomination comes on that can't be killed. Whoa. Yeah, because when you enter, when you came into the complex, there's like the sign being like, beware of Jack. And it's like, well, who the hell's Jack? <laughs> Jack is the abomination that can't wow. be killed, right? So it's like, whatever you do, don't roll triples. But the, nobody knows that. Yeah. Going in. That's right? awesome. Yeah, because when we play, I tried to keep the narrative. I try and keep more of a narrative. So I don't tell the players all the rules right off the bat. I just let them know what the mission is and then let's play through it. Yeah. Yeah, it should be pretty fun. I hope no one dies. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I was coming tomorrow, but, like, I just got to run some errands. And yeah, man. Well, it could be a really time. long day at work, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Jason. Oh, God. Tell you're me about bring, your problem. You're going to bring this up. How Ugh. much Overwatch have you played today? Today I played two hours of Overwatch. It's not bad. That's not bad for today. Yeah. No. yeah. I'm kind of weaning it down. Um, the game gets a little frustrating, but I'm still so, so addicted. I have a problem, Ian. It's okay. Blizzard makes such great games. I know. They're so um, addictive, too. I was talking about how much I love Doom for the exact same reasons I love Overwatch. It's so simple with such a complicated meta. Yeah. Like, we were playing a team today where they were so organized. Well, they were organized, but they weren't, like, good. Okay. They were organized to the point that they were five of the six players were all running the same character, and then they would have another character to, like, support them all. Whoa. Which that's organized, but sometimes running all guys with big shields seems like a great idea. Except in Overwatch, every character has another hard counter. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we just all took flying characters, and they couldn't touch us. <laughs> and we were shooting over their shields and yeah. stuff. And there's a character that can like Bastion, the character yeah. with the turret, right? He just like or not the turret, he turns into a turret. Right, right, right. Um, he can just eat those shields alive, right? Yeah. So we just we our six players went doubles for all of his hard counters. And we just ate them alive. They couldn't do anything. And they did. They refused to switch. They just thought it was fun, I guess, just to play all the same character. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that game is just so addictive. I've been playing a lot of Tracer, which is like this really, really fast girl. She's got the dually pistols. She has dually right? pistols, yeah. which empty the clip in like a second and a half yeah, yeah, and reload yeah. in a second. And then she like blinks around. So yeah, yeah, so she has like a blink fun. move. So she like zips forward a fair amount of time. Well, whichever direction you're moving in, yeah. she'll zip forward and you get one of those every three seconds and you can hold three of them. Yeah. And then she also has a recall, which takes you back to where you were three seconds ago and re gives you back the health that you had at that time as yeah. well, right? Yeah. So I don't know. That's my character. You know me. I've always played like the 
this you've either played the sniper which in this game i just can't seem to snipe mm-hmm. or i've played the speedy character yeah with like the little mac 11 or something like that yeah. um and yeah man she's like the perfect character for me man i've learned how to use her she just she's she's so easy to break she has like a, she has like the lowest health in the game i think she has like 150 health okay so it's just like one so many people can one shot her but you're so fast you shouldn't be getting hit anyways yeah exactly right? and zip around teleport yeah she's like a really good tracer is just like super super annoying yeah um i also play i play all the annoying characters i also play as may she's like this the, f- the ice yeah ice, she's yeah. like ice girl yeah so she has like a f- ice flamethrower kind of that yeah. like freezes an enemy and then she also has like an icicle shot which does like a lot of damage it's got pretty big fall off so it's harder to snipe with it mm-hmm. but she's not she is a frontline person but kind of not really She's defense. She's a defense character, she, but she, she can disrupt. play. She can play frontline defense. You just have to be careful with her because she is a little slow. And there are some like, like when you see someone like a Reinhardt with his big hammer and stuff like that, you're yeah. gonna lose that fight unless you freeze him and run away. Um, well, she's disruptive. She puts out giant walls. She slows people down. Exactly, man. And yeah. I've learned how to be like so annoying with her, yeah. so that I've like I've one v two'd people, and like not beaten them, but just like held them up. Where yeah. it's just like, cool, ice wall, I dance around, I dance around, I freeze on you, I dance around, I freeze myself so you can't touch me while yeah. my ice wall's reloading. And you're just both waiting there. You're like, yeah, come out of that, come out of that icicle, bitch. Yeah. And as soon as it comes up, I jump backwards, put an ice wall, I'm still distracting you. You yeah. guys are just wasting time trying to fight me. I'm annoying. Yeah, right? meanwhile, the rest of the team's five just, on four because yeah. you're taking on these two. Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, so she's like, in the competitive scene, she's not picked a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because she has a lot of hard counters, but I don't play a lot of like... I'm not like high tiered competitive. Yeah. So maybe I haven't just played those characters yet that tune me, mm-hmm. but like, man, I had one game where I went like 26 and three as May, Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm learning how to play her. Oh, it's a fun game. Like I was over the other weekend and we were taking turns. One of us would paint the other would play. Would play yeah. yeah. I was running the soldier, whatever. Soldier 76. Yeah. So basic, but so good. Well, he's so basic, but that's, what's good about him. Like I was using him today mm-hmm. because we just needed a care. Like soldier 76 is the character that, if you have, if you don't have like a good offensive character yeah. or the offensive character, like I play Tracer, but Tracer's not good all the time because she's so squishy. Yeah. So sometimes you're playing like a center control point. Well, if you have to be on the point, mm-hmm. it's not good to have a character that one grenade that comes in there will take you out. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's like, cool. Well, everyone should be able to fall back to Soldier 76. There's this saying in the game, which is like, if you suck at Soldier 76, you suck at the game. Yeah. Because... He's, he's like playing Call of Duty in Overwatch, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's just, you have a basic gun with a rocket, and you can heal yourself. Yeah. And you have unlimited sprint. It's Call of Duty, man. <laughs> but he's fun to play, and he's solid. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a game. It's become a lot more popular now over the weeks that it's getting a little frustrating with all the people that are starting to play it that don't know how to play it. Yeah. And you get mixed in with like a lot of rooms and people want to play without using their mic. It's like, well, it's a teamwork game, man. Just plug your fucking mic in and listen to what other people are saying. Acknowledge the fact that other people are talking to you. You don't have to talk, but at least be like, all right, someone's saying someone's coming to the left side. Okay. I'll go to the left side and and deal with that person. Right. right? Oh, they're saying my character is useless. I should probably switch to another character then. Yeah. Right. Uh, You get a lot of people not doing that and then it becomes frustrating. It's like there are certain characters that you should never use two of Mm -hmm. like, unless that's the hard counter to something that that they're spamming or something like that. Yet you get a lot of people like, no, no, I want to play as Reaper. It's like, well, you don't need two Reapers in most games. So dude, just the other guy picked it first. Just 
pick another character. Yeah. It's like when you play like NHL or, or you play FIFA and it's like right off the bat, everyone picks like what character, what position they want. Mm-hmm. And the one guy doesn't get to play striker. Oh, yeah. I'll just take defense. And as soon as I get the ball, I'll just fucking run up the field. Yeah. It's like, well, come on, man. You just ruin it for everyone else. You're better off just leaving the room, going and finding a new room. Yeah. Instead yeah, of spending, yeah. like, these games last a while. These games can last, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, just stop ruining my 15 minutes and just leave the fucking room. Yeah. Right? But yeah, man. Just so addicted. <laughs> we'll see if I'm still playing next time we record. <laughs> yeah. I think you will be. I think so, too. I think I'm in it for the long run. Um, Age of Sigma. Yeah, let's get to this. You have just like destroyed. You just so like much. jump feet first right in. I know. I keep thinking about how much money I've spent, and then like my phone beeps and it's like, "Oh, you've won another bid on eBay." Like, oh. <laughs> so I just bought some uh, Skitari Ranger guns to convert up some Warplock Jezails because mm-hmm. they look fantastic, and I need some range. Yeah. Last night I built a Warp Lightning Cannon Woo. over the weekend to build, finish a Screwing Bell. Yeah. Well, demons. I want to see that warplane cannon in action, man. Yeah, the, you've read the rules for that. Oh, okay. while ago, I don't remember what they are exactly anymore. Twenty-four-ish inch range. Mm-hmm. Uh, pick a unit, roll dice, see the power level. That's right. So you get a three. Take six dice. It's always six dice. Yeah, and then on a three up, mortal wound. Mortal wound. Yeah, that's so on good. On a one, six automatic mortal wounds. What? On a five, yeah, yeah, yeah. you oh, yeah, roll yeah, yeah. fives yeah. on six dice, mm-hmm. but. You know, half the time it's going to be a three. It's very Skaven, man. A lot of Skaven stuff yeah. is like risk taking. Like, and you, well, there's no like overcharging it or anything, right? Not the warp lightning cannon. No, no, but like rattling guns, all those types of things. Like, yeah, all you're playing Skaven, man. You have to be constantly rolling that. Like, yeah. you just take the risks. You're not playing to be competitive. You're playing to be have, Skaven. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the coolest race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I finished my army too. I just haven't had a chance to play a battle with it yet. But yeah. um, because the what's it called? The general's handbook. Yeah. It's coming, coming out, out in two weeks or a week from now. Yeah, two weeks, 23rd. Yeah. I still have to pre-order my copy, but I do want to get one. They have one in the store that you're allowed to like read and kind of figure out for the campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just, I really like to sit down and read a rule book, like really understand yeah. it. And I don't, the store isn't the type of atmosphere where I can really sit down and focus and, yeah. and read it. People are always coming up to you talking to you. Wanting to, it's like, I can't be pulled away. I got to fucking figure out how summoning works. <laughs> get out of my face. Yeah. <laughs> There's some things I'm really disappointed in it. Like the only battle line unit, battle lines are essentially like mandatory troop choices. Mm-hmm. So at certain point levels, you need two or three or four. Yeah. And the only one for Skaven is uh, Clan Rats. For unless Skaven doing, Master Clan. Unless you're doing a specific clan, yeah. it needs to be Clan Rats. Yeah. So I'm doing a mix of like Master Clan and Skyre and a few other things you know what the there. battle line uh skyr one is acolytes and storm is it really acolytes yeah that's fucking horrible you know, what, you know how expensive acolytes are 12 for one yes that is fucking ridiculous yeah, okay. and a minimum five man unit yeah so it's and, and they're shit too by the way like they have such short range and like next to no armor save yeah people instantly know how good they are and they take them out oh well, i figured out how to convert them though so oh, yeah? yeah it's um Okay, so you know your catapult, your play claw catapult? Yep. And the guys with gas masks? Okay, yeah. So take those gas masks, head, put them on clan rats, give them a ball and a knife, mm-hmm. and uh, Max Mini has some steampunk backpacks. Oh, cool. Slap one of those on. Yeah. Boom. Dirt cheap. Yeah, it might work. Yeah, uh, So, but they're not a great unit, so I probably won't run them. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to actually look at the model, but I'm not sure... 
Yeah, I think there are two individual models on there. Like, I don't think it's more than two individual models on there. On the, for the metal acolytes? No, no, for the plague claw. There's three. There's three models on there? there? There's three heads in the kit. Hmm. So I might, I've got three because I built a warp lightning cannon, so I Mm -hmm. might order another three and build them. I'll see. It's not a priority, so. There's no reason why you couldn't take, like, some type of plague head and just be like, he's, you know, he's holding it, but he's just melting apart as he's throwing it. That's very Skaven. Yeah, true. Right? I mean, I know Skyrim is like, they have the gear to be able to counter the but dangerous stuff that they're using. But crazy. He's just like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Skaven so much. But the uh, they have two battle lanes. The other one's Storm Fiends. Yeah. Well, at least they have a box for them. Yeah, but like Storm Fiends are fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're expensive. Yeah. It's like. 100 points well, a model. Well, supposed to be a low model count army anyways, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so. Uh, weapon teams aren't artillery. So, no. so you can yeah. take more of them? Yeah. Uh, Warp Lightning Cannon and Jezails are, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, th- this is all the army. So, I played three games over the weekend. First one was against... First two were against Jordan and Stormcast. How was that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Got my ass kicked both times. Um, but so I ran like the screen bell, went, ran a bunch of graciers. I think the first one I was running clan rats with the uh, screen bell. Mm-hmm. And the clan rats fucking blow. Clan rats are so shit in that game, man. And it's ridiculous. I, I don't they shouldn't even be part of the game. They're so bad. I know people are like, oh, you're supposed to take lots of them. It's like, well, I'm just getting into the game. I'm not buying lots of shit models. Well, I don't know if. Like, I swear, a unit of 40 clan rats would still just get their asses whooped by a five-man unit of Stormcast. Well, that's what I'm thinking, because it's so hard for, to hit. Like, they have shitty dice, yeah. and there's only so many models you can get within range to attack. Yeah. So... I guess you, you use them to lock people up. Is that what you do? Because yeah. you can shoot into combat, I'm pretty sure, in this game. Yes, you can. So I guess you can and use them to... out of combat. Yeah. Oh, you can shoot out of combat as well, yeah. so that doesn't really lock people up, but... Well, you lock up a combat unit. Yeah. Okay, so that is that's definitely good, but there's better things for that. Mm-hmm. So I took a ten man, I proxied ten man chaos warrior unit, which are essentially dark sigmarites. Yeah. So the two wounds piece, four up save, they can ignore mortal wounds on a five plus. Mm. Pretty damn tough. Yeah. And they locked up Bretonian or Union Knights and the Green Knight, like the balls deep, awesome special character yeah. that Bretonians have. For like half the game. Yeah. And just, you know, wound them down. Anyways, with the big unit of clan rats, you can only get so many attacks in. Yeah. And their bravery is so shit. I guess if you're using Inspiring Presence or something, which I didn't think to use, but their bravery is so shit. They're going to be loot. You're taking off handful as a models yeah. at the ter- end of every turn. Mm-hmm. So they get, you get, they get worn down fast. Yeah. Storm Vermin are good though. They, Two attacks each, minus one rend, hitting on threes if they outnumber, wounding on threes. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're actually really decent. Um, so that's good. But they're not battle line, so I have to take something. So mm-hmm. I don't know, because clan rats are dirt cheap. It's like 60 points for 10, which is nothing in Age of Sigmar. So I don't know if I want to just get two units of 10 and then throw in the demons. Or if I want to get some corn blood warriors, which are like very similar stats to Sigmar Stormcast. Yeah. So have two little five-man units for my battle line. Yeah, there's only five guys, but they're tough as nails. And they're 100 points, but 
you know, that's a 10, they have two wounds each, lots of attacks. How many, how many points are you be paying for a unit of 40 clan rats or something like that, right? Well, like 40, that's 240 points. Okay, so, I'd rather take the chaos guys. Yeah. Right. And it's only 10 models to paint instead of 20. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I want to do with my corn, with my mortal corn, is a uh, Mad Max Fury Road look. Mm -hmm. So like... You know, lots of chrome armor with some bronze highlights, and then like the uh, bleached white skin with like, oh, black. Yeah, that's cool. That's so awesome. I kind of want to do that now. I was looking at their heroes, and they got some cool ones. Yeah, man, cast is awesome. Uh, highlighted game was at one point I rolled. I think it's called Unholy Clamor on the screen bell, mm -hmm. and it gets an extra six inches move Sweet. on its four mm -hmm. plus another seven because there were twenty one rats around yeah, yeah, yeah. it. So shove it seventeen inches forward, first turn <laughs> charge. And then Sigma Rights just crushed it with yeah, hammers. Yeah. Well, that's how <laughs> playing against Stormcast works. Oh, the other thing I want to mention, because we were talking about uh, more doing lots of mortal wounds. Mm -hmm. So Lord Screech Vermin King or whatever it is, the named Vermin yep. Lord, has the dreaded 13th spell. Is this unique spell. So targeting unit within 13 inches, roll 13 dice. For each 4+, plus, they suffer a mortal wound. Yeah. For each model killed, place a Skaven, create a un new unit of Skaven with that many models. There you go. So just was murking shit. And he had this one. Oh, did you use it? Oh, yeah. Oh, you proxied him? Yeah. In well, Age I, of Sigmar, I the, the name. Oh, I, you, you I have, have a Vermin Lord, oh. and I gave him a custom head, and I magnetized his arm. So I can do three different Vermin Lords. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, I found in Age of Sigmar the name characters are the way to go. Like, yeah. don't take an assassin when you can take the, I forget the name of the named assassin, but he's just, yeah. he's way better. Yeah. Right? And when there's no, well, now there's a point cost. But before, it was like, even there's, so, it's there's no, even the point cost can't be that much different. It's 40 points more than the other one. Yeah, it's worth take. it, man. Like, yeah, so. The name characters in that game just wreck house. Yeah, so he, his general guy was doing all these buffs. And I'm like, how many wounds do you have? And Jordan's like, uh, seven. I'm like, all right, well, I'm casting 13th, dread 13th spell on him. There, just did nine wounds to yeah. him. Oh, here's a storm vermin where he was used to be. Yeah. Here's so, one storm vermin, yeah. <laughs> but it tied up a unit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> so, <laughs> right on. There you go. So I charged them, and he had to deal with it. And just the way it works, you pick units to activate in yeah. combat, and it gave me an extra unit that helped. Like, yeah. it was, it came into play. Yeah. That one fucking storm vermin. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I like it. I want to learn more. I can't just rush in and attack. I'm not playing Corn or Stormcast. Yeah. I need to I need to get more range stuff and sit back and then countercharge. Yeah, I have to be a little more strategic with them. Yeah, yeah, I need to, you know, you need to retreat sometimes. You need to go on flanks because Skaven are pretty fast. Yeah. So, oh, they're very fast in the game, yeah. Not as fast as Bretonians, but Well, when you get up to, like, gutter runners and night runners, like the Eshin stuff, yeah, they become true. very fast because then yeah. they can also, like, run and shoot and stuff. Yeah. And uh, that really helps when you're running like 12 inches and shooting. Well, you get guys who, um, there's most of the like Storm Vermin Clan Rat units, but they're banner or drummers. They get plus two to when they run. Yeah. So, okay, I'm running 14 inches on mm -hmm. it with a six or yeah. something. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I like it. Me too. Yeah. Have you played any Just Sigmar? Lately? I haven't. Not since the last campaign, but I'm pumped to actually play because I got my whole army basically yeah. built. So, Season of War starts this week. This week it starts, yeah. yeah. So we got a lot of Skaven players as well. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's already the board up with all the player names and points. Yeah. 
as of Saturday, I was in the lead. Oh, shit, son. Because I painted some shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I that probably won't last long because I also lost all three of my games, so I didn't get any more points. Are they counting the, the games that you're playing already? Those yeah, just... but you have to win them. Oh, okay. You can't just play them. Yeah, you can't just play them. So. Yeah. yeah. And I, but I don't think Jordan or Leonard are up on the board, so they didn't get points off me. Oh, right on. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to paint up a storm and win that way. Right on. All right, uh, I think that's about it for episode Beyond fifteen. The ridge. Yeah, Beyond the, <laughs> the ridge, Beyond the rim. <laughs> yeah, lots of cool stuff going on. Lots of campaigns and different game systems. Yeah, man. I'm uh, next episode that we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be talking about conversions. Yeah, with the master, master samurai Mike. Yeah, friend of the maelstrom. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna have a guest on the show. He's like incredible conversionist and converter looking. <laughs> that man. I, I just i don't know mike's so cool <laughs> mike is awesome yeah. um yeah we've posted some of his stuff on the facebook page he's yeah. gonna come in his uh space sharks and his uh necrons mm-hmm. so yeah we're yeah. gonna talk about conversions and all that fun stuff so yeah. uh, i think that's about it for today though yeah um quick plug summer slaughter in windsor if you haven't already go sign up it's gonna be awesome i'm gonna try and be there uh they just posted the best painted prize and it's the uh special edition forge world terminator captain that was uh recently released so if you didn't get your hands on it get painting and get your ass to windsor that's awesome yeah um do you want to plug our store jason yeah uh our home store is games workshop young and lawrence yeah check it out uh if you're in brimstone if you're in windsor check out brimstone their new store their new store at moy and tecumseh i believe Mm -hmm. in the old library it isn't yeah that's a cool location i want to see it Yeah. yeah So, yeah, Uh, I'm Ian. And I'm Jason. And we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom.